The Rock's big break, Macaulay Culkin kills, and the biggest week ever for TV shows you probably don't care about. This week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. I'm rushing through that because of fucked up the audio the first time <laughs> hi everyone welcome to 30 2010 where we're taking you on a rip-roaring journey across three decades 30 and 20 and 10 years ago in our pop culture past get it that's the name of the show this week we'll be looking at september 28th 22nd to the 28th across 1993 2003 and 2013 from this week where we're sitting open up those three portals get ready to go back and look at all our favorite movies tv video games music and more hi i'm one of your hosts chris antista who else is with me Hi, I'm Diana Goodman, and look, I went through Days and Confused quotes all night trying to decide what I was going to open with, and then I realized the one man who is dominating this episode, comma ah! James. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Diana, do you have a joint right now? No, I don't. Be a lot cooler if you did. Be a lot cooler <laughs> if you did. Uh, uh, but I'm J.R. Rawls, and there's only a few things I care about in my life. My body. My pad, my ride, my family, my church, my boys, my girls, my education, my art, my health, my community, my career, my adventures, my pets, my dreams, my spirituality, my legacy, my hobbies, my friendships, my personal growth, my music, my peace of mind, my favorite books, my sports, my passions, my cultural heritage, my environmental impact, my financial support, security, my sense of humor, my philanthropic efforts, my technology, my inner peace, my family traditions, my sense of justice, my home decor, my favorite foods, my meditation practices, my porn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Perhaps the, the the biggest, oh, longest Don so John happy. reference the internet has ever known. Oh, <laughs> my porn God. being the highlight there. My porn. I tend to it like a garden. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> we'll fill you in on what all that is. Uh, I gotta say right off the bat, I made myself the most miserable with television this week because there are so many incredibly notable television de- debuts that I don't think we're going to be able to celebrate properly, but I also don't think our audience cares. It, it, the major shift no. in what we're watching, that's 20 years old at this point. Dude, and, we have a 20-year-old show that's still on the air. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's insane. Just that. And and, and there's, there's going to be so much to like, so many ratings winners, things that made people you otherwise love into multimillionaires that I'm, we're just going to go, eh, eh. It's Shrug, (laughs) massive Shrug. Uh, Anyway, let's get started. Uh, Once again, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Brand new season of Elm Street Nightmare coming just in time for spooky season on what, J.R.? The Evil Dead franchise. Yes. Might be, I say this every year, but one of the most fun franchises to cover of all time. And holy shit, it's great. Patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks. Over hundred, hundreds of uh, bonus podcasts, uh, video stuff, tons of stuff, full-length movie commentaries. Check it out, including full-length commentaries maybe on one of the shows debuting this week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a big old shrug of a show. It was a bad idea, and I wish we hadn't done it because it was a slog. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell you about it when we get there. Anyway, welcome to the show. Both Diana and I, listeners, are tilting our head to the left like confused dogs. It was an odd idea, and it'll make sense when we get to it. Uh, yes, welcome to the show. 
Just pull up a chair, pull up those three portals. Let's start with the first one, right on your left, 1993, September 20, 22nd to the 28th. Whew. Uh, two men and women emerged from the biosphere, by, from Biosphere 2 this week in 1993. They made it. They didn't all die. I mean, how many went in? I don't know. But four of them came out. <laughs> they messed this up. I could have fixed the entire billion-dollar biosphere debacle with a name change. Don't call it Biosphere 2. Call it Biosphere Beta. This is the beta test, y'all. We're absolutely not going to succeed on our first try. We're going to fail and learn from our failure. You know, have a clock, say, okay, this is how long the first total enclosure lasted. Let's see if we can learn from it and beat it next time. Yep. I mean, this is a good project, even though everyone made fun of it, because it's a, it's a good idea of like, can we build a sealed habitat that will recycle the oxygen that will make new food? That's like, if, so if, if we went to Mars, could we live in this? What do we need to learn about it? And they've got like a little rainforest and they got animals and they got all this stuff. And they learned some, uh, they, they made some mistakes. This is not, even though it's called Biosphere 2, they, they keep at this. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this round, the first year, sounds like it was pretty bad because also oxygen levels were dropping. So it was like being on a 13,000 foot mountain and people aren't happy when they don't have enough oxygen and they had food problems. They had invasive ants that got in. Yeah. And, and there's a great documentary on the whole debacle that came out a few yeah. years ago on Hulu, Spaceship Earth. Uh, yeah. And of course, people, when they're locked in a small place and have to rely on each other for survival, get fucking pissed at each other. It's, it's weird they didn't foresee the many problems that they had. Because the, the problems, I love how many problems amount to just people. People are going to be weird <laughs> and not going to do what they promise. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, 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 they're going to let you down somehow. Uh, but yeah, I love that documentary. Check it out. It's on Hulu. That's 30 years ago, folks. You ready to get into the movies? Because, ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so many movies this week. Uh, By the Sword with F. Murray Abraham, Eric Roberts, and Mia Sara. Sloan. Sloan so, Peterson. As far as I can tell... This is the only 90 sports movie about fencing. <laughs> yes. And I guarantee you, every fencing school in America to this day still has this on VHS tape yeah. because it's yeah. the never been released on DVD, but it's like the only fencing movie for all you fencers out there. So, yeah, this is Which what I've- you got. I find amazing because there's so many movies with sword fighting in them and Mm -hmm. there's people who learn sword fighting and then there's a big climactic sword fight, but not one about actual fencing, like learning fencing in a modern setting. See, I've always wanted to learn fencing. I've never done it uh, outside of some light sword play at the SCA. Uh, So it's something where I'm like, that seems fascinating. So I decided to give this movie a try. Noped out after about a half an hour. Could not. Do they have fencing, but for like broadswords? I want a two-hander. Yeah. I actually, (laughs) I have a friend who has uh, experience with fencing. He got bored with fencing with foils and he moved up to taking classes on, I am not joking, this is a name, pirate combat. (laughs) So broadswords, cutlasses, hatchets. Wow. (laughs) Boarding axes. Today we'll be learning how to slow your fall by stabbing a sail. Yeah, exactly. All, now, put all, your, everyone put the knife in your teeth. Okay, let's go. <laughs> also, shout out to the International Medieval Combat Federation, oh. IMCF. Ooh. Yeah. 
Uh, the next movie yeah. I remember Actually, laughing at. I, well, you know what? Can I just share this though? I want to share that he gave me great advice for my emergency kit involves a hatchet, which I will probably not use for emergency purposes, but it's scary looking when someone waves one at you. So if you're putting together an emergency kit and you don't have guns, mm. put a motherfucking hatchet in there. Yeah. Great way to flag down people for a uh, hitchhiking ride. Yeah, that's, that's usually <laughs> what I do. I just stand in the middle of the road and wave it crazy, and I've spilled Kool-Aid on myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, yes. You need, I knew the joke was coming for this next movie. Please, yes, because Chris, I had just share the joke. learned the word boof. Which meant butt fucking, I think, back in the day. And here comes this movie that looks like it's called Bufa. And we were just laughing and laughing and laughing about it until it ended up in my house. And I got bored out of my mind as my parents watched Alfre Ward, Woodard, Malcolm McDowell, and Denny Glover in Bofa. I am shocked that's not the joke that you went with. No, what? I'm, sh- I'm shocked. Why? What was, it, what was I supposed to go with? What's this movie called? Bofa? D's nuts. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I was going for before. Some joke with before. <laughs> this movie takes place Bofo Christ. But no. <laughs> Bofo these nuts. Jesus. Where Bofo were we? That was popular, nuts. too. The Chronic was out already. Come on. Yeah. What the fuck? We were very much into D's nuts jokes. Uh, but yeah, Bofo. <laughs> okay. So Morgan Freeman's only film he's directed. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. Which I find really surprising because this comes out of he had just done the power of one which is about south africa mm-hmm. and was thinking south africa is very much in the news you know uh mandela's out now and then you got danny glover who's also a big activist in in re south african and ending apartheid and it took this play and decided to adapt it because it's about uh danny glover plays a black police not officer i feel like officer is almost the wrong word you know he he's he's a cop working in the apartheid mm. regime and obviously the friction yeah steve the friction that's going to cause with his family and his community of like you are a part of the oppressive force but also hey man that's a job it puts food on the table it keeps my family safe and yeah. all, all, all the reports is like yeah it's good it's a serious apartheid drama I don't know why Morgan Freeman just never bothered ever again. Uh, You got to wonder if maybe it was the experience because it's showing a theatrical gross of $200,000 against a $12 million budget. Yeah, it was not released. That that means it was basically shown at festivals and no one bought it. Yeah, and and so... Even though it's supposed to be pretty good. And I want to... Yes, I want to see these people. uh, Danny Glover and Alfre Woodard. They kick ass. Come on. I didn't want to bring it up and kick it while it's down. Do you know how much Buy the Sword made? Oh, please. Oh, no. <laughs> no. $6,000. Wow. Oh, wow. that is one screen for one week. Whew. Oh, Patreon, yeah. More than that. Dark oh. Dungeons, the movie, made more theatrically <gasps> than Buy the Sword. <laughs> In your face, Academy Award winner, F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> and uh, I think next... you get his Oscar now. Good for you. The next movie, hey, maybe uh, <laughs> next year's franchise for Elm Street Nightmare, if we want to keep it really short. Uh, <laughs> Warlock the Armageddon with Julian Sands, R.I.P., uh, Paula Marshall, and Jonah Pacula. I hope that's how you say your name, like Dracula. Yeah, uh, uh, almost unrelated sequel to Warlock. Right. Yeah. 
from what I understand, the first movie was really into the like supernatural aspect of like the druids. This film is just straight up like, yeah, he's another horror monster movie. Enjoy. We want to make a franchise out of this. Let's not limit his powers to incantations. Warlock. Yeah. Uh, I believe, did, he, did Warlock team up with another horror franchise? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember. For some reason, I always thought these were like Albert Pugh and like super cheapos, but like, no, they, they got okay production values. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's a real movie, Jack. Warlock, yeah, Warlock. there's only three Warlocks. Okay, yeah, that's do. It's definitely doable, even though I believe JR has already teased what he wants to do next year. And what JR oh. wants, JR gets. Well, I teased it in our past, which is our listeners' future. So don't give it away I'm yet. Not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not. And it's, it's, it's a clever move because we hadn't even discussed it in like, well, now that you say it, I don't see how we can. Do it. <laughs> I don't want to edit that out. Um, anyway, moving on to the next movie. I'd say by far the most influential uh, and famous movie of the week that we get to talk about, and it's this movie's got fucking legs. And I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was slightly like, I really need to rewatch this. I've seen this so many times, and it's rewarding every time you fucking watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing, especially mm-hmm. with what we know now, and the fucking cast. Speaking of TV, I don't watch. Even the people I don't know personally are all on major TV shows. Like everybody here becomes super famous in some way. Dude, I found out that the one special breakout guy from this got the job because he was at a bar and someone recognized the casting director who had done Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which we talked about as being like, you picked all winners. Yeah. How did you fucking do that? Every single one of them was an up and comer. They all hit it out of they're, the park they're and have all, big careers, except for like one guy. They're all this unknowns. one. It's about, it's about 50 50 of yeah. like, oh shit, these become huge stars. Yeah. And then yeah, if, people are like, oh, and I see him all the time. If you were to cast this movie 10 years in the future with the exact same stars, your casting budget would be at least 100 million. <laughs> oh, because oh, look at this Cole Hauser. Mariana Rabisi, Parker Posey, Ben Affleck, Nikki Nikki Katz, Matthew McConaughey. I just almost want to point out Ben Affleck. Last time we saw him, I think he had one line. Yeah. in uh, uh, School Ties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Voyage of the Mimi on Laserdisc. Pick it up. Voyage fucking Mimi. <laughs> Anthony Rapp, Adam Goldberg, who's having a great Woo. week uh, in thirty twenty ten. Rory Cochran, uh, Sean Andrews, Mila Jovovich, Joey Lauren Adams, uh, Wiley Wiggins, and Jason London in. Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You didn't know that? Somewhere between free love and safe sex. Benny! Tie-dye and button fly. We should be up for anything. Ed Sullivan and MTV. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? There was a generation. The 60s rocked. The 70s, they obviously sucked. That was dazed and confused. Maybe the 80s will be radical. Rated R. Now playing at select theaters. Yeah, it's, it's just... The, when my memories of this are unremarkable, but they're all crystallized in how <laughs> remarkable it is for just this unremarkable slice of life. I couldn't stop thinking about boyhood. Like mm. you, you keep thinking like this big dramatic thing is going to happen. And it's like, no, nah, it's just uh, just showing no, you a realistic a version of life. Slice of life. This is yeah. 12 hours, maybe 14 hours, mm-hmm. 16 at yeah. most in yeah. these people's lives. And it's yeah. just meant to put you back in a moment of time. One thing that amazed me is how 
non-judgmental I feel the camera is. There's some hazing mm. in this film, mm -hmm. and in no way, shape, or form do I think you could film hazing in a 2023 without judging it the way this film refuses to judge it. Oh, I I kind of disagree there. There is okay. a scene of hazing where, because the whole thing is, it's the last day of school. The people who are becoming seniors mm -hmm. get to haze the people who are becoming juniors. So that's the eighth grade, people leaving eighth grade. So the 13 and 14 year olds. And the girls, they get a bunch of food dumped on them. They get yelled at like a drill sergeant. They get driven through a car wash. That sucks. But the guys get paddled. Uh, and the scene of them keep chasing this kid down and chasing him down when they finally just catch him. I I thought it kind of honestly it made me think of the rape scene in The Accused. Wow. Okay. It is filmed pretty right. brutally, but he recovers and they make a whole thing of like Jason London's character talking to him like you gotta not let them show it bothered you, man. You gotta just keep hanging out because if they know they got to you, they're gonna keep doing it. And it's like he's got to recover, and he does. And see, I. I just don't think you'd see that in a 2023 film. Oh, God, no. No, I, I had forgotten how much of the movie is. Like, half the movie is taken up with the some of the hazing stuff. And I was, like, horrified. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, my God. And every, and they point out, like, every adult is seeing this. It's happened in the parking lot. They don't fucking care. Uh, yeah, Adam like, Goldberg's character even remarks, like, they're tacitly involved in this by allowing this to keep happening. Uh, what? Yeah. It. The movie holds kind up. Kind of. Teenagers have a vastly inflated sense of their own self-importance, yes. and they think everyone is watching them far, far more than is actually the case. Yeah, it, it, and, and that's what I find remarkable about this film: of how, like, it is definitely not my high school experience, I, and because I had a odd one, but it mm. is like what my life was like. <laughs> it, it is how I was. It, 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 I see myself in so many of the characters. Oh yeah, it's pretty beautiful. I, I really do. I I really felt for the the Wiley Wiggins character, you know, who gets paddled early earlier, and then the rest of the movie is the youngest kid hanging out with the older kids and trying to be like cool. I related to that so fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> Don't say the wrong thing, or they're all gonna make fun of you. <sighs> There's definitely. I watched it for the very first time. Uh, oh, just nice. missed it in its original well, it, run. It wasn't. That's another thing about it. It wasn't successful in its theatrical run. Its legacy was paved years and years later, and and keeps on going. It's pretty remarkable. What, what amazes me is that this film is only set seventeen years in the past. Mm -hmm. Okay, I cannot imagine a nostalgia film set in two thousand six. Yeah, I mean maybe. Mm. I personally had a bunch of new changes that year. Switch coasts. Yeah. But. Well, now if we're going to bring up numbers, it's time for me to bring up something that was just in classic corner, American graffiti. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This, this goes great with American graffiti. American graffiti has multiple plots going on and this has practically none, but it's the same thing. That's what 12 years before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing of just like, it's the end of school and we're just sort of hanging out and trying to figure our shit out. I don't know. And what, what's what looking are we at doing? The... We're cruising around in cars because we have nowhere to go. Uh, we're just driving circles. See, cruising is something that I have zero experience with. Oh, I saw I it all the yeah. time in movies. See, okay. So walk me through this. You're in a car, Chris, mm -hmm. you see an attractive lady and you yell at her and somehow you get oh. together through that act. No, there wasn't a ton of that. That always seemed like magic to me. There like, I understand it's a thing that actually happens, 
but my brain just doesn't process it as anything that could have ever happened to baby J. Mailbox baseball, just just dry, like once you get your license, but you'd like don't have anything to do and aren't invited to parties. Yeah, yeah we, and I had that experience. I had a time when uh, me and a guy in high school, I just got the soundtrack uh, for Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. and started listening to it, and we just drove just to drive for that sake. Mm-hmm. So I've had that experience, but the whole like cruising to meet up people no alien yeah we didn't we it wasn't so much sexual harassment as it, we just harassed people you're a bitch Boom. god no. being a young boy <laughs> sucks uh, <laughs> uh but yeah like that's one of the things I, the, the funny thing is in the reviews they constantly compared it to american graffiti but yeah. like the raunchier version of american graffiti and i'm shocked this 30 years on this is these kids are pretty well behaved. <laughs> like they're, they're weed smoking and beer? a lot of weed so? and they're drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, a fourteen-year-old drinking a beer. Okay, that's still like, dude. Uh, but also, it's like, yeah. But if he has the one, maybe he'll learn. He's gonna hurt tomorrow, and he'll learn. <laughs> so you know, I've I, I drank at fourteen, supervised. Mm-hmm. Like at a family wedding, I got pretty wasted at like fourteen or fifteen, and yeah, I was hungover the next day. And I was like, okay, but I was supervised. I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I, I had that experience at 16. My sister took me out drinking with her friends mm-hmm. and I got like super drunk. But then I didn't drink for like four years after that just because it <laughs> yeah. was. So like, yeah. all right, that was fun. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, the, the, in, in hindsight, the kids being hazed uh, as the viewer now, I'm like, dude, you're being anointed. Take it. Not everyone is getting hazed here. And the ones who are mm. seemingly are ushered into like, a sect, a cast of, yeah. for the rest and of the And again, I just feel like the movie doesn't judge that. Mm-hmm. The movie isn't mm-hmm. saying, like, this is wrong. The movie is just saying, this is what it was like in 1976. Yeah. And the movie well, doesn't judge like... it in embodied by Matthew McConaughey's character, who is mm-hmm. <laughs> by far the most quoted, dis- despite being the most cancelable person in this film. So I only ever knew this film via quotes. Yeah. Like, that's what I love about high school girls yeah so i was just picturing this character as this utter scuzzbag who i was just going to be shocked at but watching the actual film he doesn't do anything bad he just talks no. about it and he he, he he they don't acknowledge his patheticness <laughs> they only mildly acknowledge ben affleck's patheticness uh as, yeah see oh. I, I was gonna go back to say like i feel like the movie is not judging the hazing it judges the extent of the hazing that mm. the the Ben Affleck's character, who seems to be doing a senior year a second time, and they think it's because he likes doing this paddling shit. He <laughs> seems to get off on it. This guy's got issues. Yeah. I was wondering if there was and, something like sexual there. Yeah. And he's the one who gets the comeuppance because he's he's the one who's taking it too far. Everyone else is just sort of paddle, 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 you know, not going, not really hurting anyone too bad. And yeah, he's the one who's like, he's winding up. He's hurting people. Yeah. This is such an odd film, though, because <laughs> it really it's it's there's not a lot of films like that. Like, OK, this podcast is in many ways a friend simulator. Mm-hmm. It's simulating what it's like to have friends. There are very few movies that I think are friend simulators, but I think this might be one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that that is a good point. Um, and also, uh, I want to say I, I was keeping track and I watched the time. 
40 minutes almost exactly is the first time Matthew McConaughey says, all right, all right, all right, in a movie. <laughs> 30 years. 30 years ago. Uh, yep. And that's that's but, a, another fun issue. This is R- Richard Linklater's first studio film. He kind of, yeah. he sometimes gets forgotten for like kind of like, like paving the way for indie films in the 90s with Slacker. And it's, yeah, they all kind of butted heads with the studio just a little bit. And reading about how he made the movie, just like, it was largely improv- improvisational. Like, Mila Jovovich is in this and doesn't do anything. And, like, that's because in real life, he was watching how the actors were behaving with one another. And one of the leads just didn't really gel with the rest of the cast. And that was his girlfriend. So she, her part ends up falling by the wayside because... He, it didn't gel with whatever the, the, the link letter experience was. It's really neat that the film turned out like this. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is really cool. And yeah, it's, it's, I mean, paving the way for, yeah, a lot more sort of indie sensibility stuff, even though this kind of fails, but link letter shows like, no, he's not, you know, slacker is also sort of episodic and formless. Mm-hmm. And it can so show that like, Oh, you can do episodic and formless and slice of life in a way that people will end up reacting to. It doesn't make money at the box office. It becomes a huge cult hit. does really, really well yeah. on, on VHS and then DVD. And I don't know the, a single person fucking, who saw this in the theaters. It, kids, and in, then, a, in a time where you had to pay for music, getting all this oh, classic man. music, this became a huge soundtrack, man. Yeah. And then let's also talk about that 70s show. Yeah. Why not? Would we have that 70s show? No, we would not. Yeah. And that show went a long time. And even though one of the cast members is a terrible person and is now in prison for hopefully the rest of his life, we will ignore that and talk about like, that was a real popular show. It kind of came out of nowhere. It also found a lot of young teenage actors who did very, very well. And it's one of the greatest marketing achievements of all time, that title, because they gave it a bunch of titles that were also song lyrics, like song titles like Days and Confused. Reeling in the ears, uh, teenage wasteland, and none none of the uh, focus groups could remember those titles. They just kept talking about. I liked watching that '70s show, <laughs> and that's why it's called that. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> they could have done that with this movie. It could have just been called that '70s movie, and we'd be like, "Oh yeah, cool." Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Very, One very... thing that Go does ahead. stand out to me doing this show is. I'm seeing in real time the growth of pop cultural references in movies, mm-hmm. you yes. know, yep. and 1993, it's starting to take off. And this film is like dropping all these pop cultural references. Uh, like there's a big discussion about Gilligan's Island that is going to re- be repeated across the Internet forever and ever. And a bunch of other things that before the Internet, it was just like, oh, yeah, I remember watching that all the time 10 years ago, and I've never seen it since thank you for tickling that memory movie. But by God, next year is that going to become a flood? And that's going to be like the Gen X stereotype until Mm -hmm. the end of time. I was about to say it's the rise of the Gen X filmmaker. We got these young guys coming up that won't shut up about their fucking childhoods (laughs) because we've got planted in front of TVs and that was it. (laughs) I still still love it. There's something just so unremarkable yet relatable about Growing up, and Linklater is just really... I'm pissed at myself for not seeing Everybody Wants Some, the spiritual sequel to this film. Yeah, dogs. <laughs> uh, and it's this film was uh, had the honor of being one of Criterion's first 4K releases, and I keep meaning no to pick shit. it up. Yeah, 
yeah, it's, yeah. I, I've even seen it in like Best Buy and stuff, which is, you know, I just love people still taking care of movies the way Criterion is, even though, my God, they're expensive. <laughs> my God, 40 bucks uh, for one movie. But it, it, you had to have seen this movie. And if you haven't, like, man, is it, is it a perfect laundry folding watch, man? It is, it is great. Mm. It, it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing because there's so little that you could call a plot. Yeah. You can pause it, put the laundry away, come back. You're fine. Make a sandwich while you're listening to it. It's not like visually there's a ton going on, except like, you know, if you remember the 70s and remember, why is everyone's pants so high up and right. tucked in? Jesus Christ. And Because I, 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 I want to make that distinction. I own the shirt Jason in London is wearing, like almost the entire movie. <laughs> uh, he's got a purple shirt with his white floral pattern on it. I'm pretty sure I own that from a thrift store. I wonder if it's the same one. It's, it's also important to mention, I believe... Listeners, I know you. Th- some of you think us old. None of us were born around. We were not nostalgic for this. We're not nostalgic for this no. period. This isn't our childhood. No, none of <laughs> you are technically correct because it is. It is May seventy six. None of us were born yet. None of us were born. So nope. uh, yeah, I know I would get confused by that as a kid. So I just wanted to make that distinction. Uh, check it out, mm-hmm. Dazed and Confused. Um, just a really. If fun you haven't peacock. seen it and you like slice of life at all. Give it a watch. Yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to them doing a sequel to this where everyone's grown up and now it is 2006. That seems like something Ooh. that would have had to have happened in the Zoom era. <laughs> like getting all these people back together, <laughs> these multimillionaires. I, maybe. Link later. If anybody could do it, Link later could. So who knows? Who knows? Mm, I like it. Again, doing what that 90s show is doing of just. Some of the characters are continuing on, and they're still baffled. But now they're baffled by their grandkids instead of their kids. It's the <laughs> '90s. Yes, and then don't want to move on, but we have to because this movie is overshadowed by much uh, several worse movies. <laughs> this movie kills a guy. Yeah, this movie causes. You could say them. I'll talk about it in a second. Christy Swanson, Craig Schaefer, Omar Epps, Halle Berry, and James Caan. Uh, the program. Are you ready for some football? Coming September twenty fourth. <gasps> They've come from different worlds. Football saved my life. To pursue the same dream. This is the story of what it takes. They're talking about how good I am under pressure. We never mentioned this during recruiting. To fight the pressure. Because all you care about is the program. The damn program. Face the pain. And survive. The program. Rated R. A fairly unremarkable Sprouts movie. We got sports. Yeah, but I did get the original ad. Yeah, that has yes, you the did. Scene that has been cut because the program, which is a fine, you know, it's a pretty average, you know, sports movie about you know the dark side of college football. Okay, fine, we can kind of guess. Mm-hmm. There is a sequence where a guy shows off how cool where where you can hear him say like I'm I'm good under pressure where he lies on the center divide the double yellow line in a road and reads a Sports Illustrated. Reads an article about him. (laughs) And teenagers being stupid, because we just talked about Days and Confused where everyone is drunk and high and not wearing seatbelts. People went and did that. Uh, At least two different incidents, and a guy died, and a bunch of other people were horribly injured. And they cut that scene and pretend that never happened. That's And that's what I've... If this movie... If people actually cared about this movie... That would be a bigger uproar because they have not restored that scene into the movie nope. to this day. And I want to say they took it out of the movie 
I think this happened before the movie came out because it was in that shot was in all of the commercials. So kids weren't yeah, imitating the film from the commercials as I much as they were imitating the commercials. The commercial. And like damage done, dude. When did this movie mm-hmm. get restored? And nobody cares. I nope. think that they said in like Taiwan they released the like the uncut version was released on DVD, but it's still like yeah, it doesn't air with that scene. It doesn't. Uh, it's not sold with that scene to this day. Nope. And I, I can't nope. think of many other movies like that. Like that have something problematic and uh, something that people copycatted and erase forever. But this is one of those instances, the program. Yeah. But uh, overall, yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. It's just an unimaginative sports movie, but not yeah, a lot of people I, highlight modern college ball because there's too much money yeah. in it and they'll get your ass. Yeah, well, off. And it's about that and about, you know, people doping and mm-hmm. getting clean pee off of their friends so they can pass mm-hmm. the, the drug tests. And yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a little dirtier, a little meaner, but not, like, really dirty and mean. Just oh. sort of like, oh, no, I can't believe that in a business with so much money, there would be malfeasance <laughs> going on. And if you want dirty and mean, and it yeah. appears people did this week because it's number one at the box office, oh holy God. shit, is there what a cynical, movie? stupid movie for you? David Morse, oh Wendy Crewson, Elijah Wood doing his best, and a Macaulay Culkin Yes, an R-rated Macaulay Culkin movie. Right after Home Alone, we have The Good Son. From the director of Sleeping with the Enemy. Dad, you've got to come back here. What's wrong? It's Henry. He's been doing things, terrible things. Targeting. He's really evil. Macaulay Culkin, the most unexpected thriller of the year. I let you go. You think you could fly? The good son, rated R. Starts Friday. So- it's so dumb. It's such oh, a dumb. Oh, also, the music. The, the music is from Aliens, and it implies we need to nuke Macaulay Culkin from orbit just to be sure. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. right after he's holding Elijah Wood's arm and saying, "Do you think you can fly?" They pull up together, and then they start laughing together. I'm sorry. I know you're a young kid. <laughs> The trauma, it washes off kids' back. It never stays with them. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, even at that young of age... No, no, I'm with if, you. Uh, someone was holding my hand over a fall and said, do you think you can fly? I would be like... Done. Done. <laughs> Sorry. And I think we all maybe had an evil friend, and I think this movie... It's, it's, it's based off a book that... God, it's it's fascinating to look at. Like, why did this movie happen? Like, who was coaching Macaulay Culkin to make this type of movie that none of his fans could see? And it turns yeah. out it's hit. This movie was like in some in development hell for years, and then like Macaulay Culkin's father and manager is like, "I'm going to show everyone my kids got range." And like, no one wants to see your kids' range yet. They want to see him in kids' movies so kids can go see. Yeah. talked into the studio silence of the lambs is a huge hit and home alone too last year we can't lose and they technically didn't but this movie is so fucking dumb it's ah this one cracks me up first of all to find out not only was kit Culkin wanted to make this so much to have macaulay in it as the bad kid that he made it we're not doing home alone too unless you green light this also yeah that's fucking ballsy and you got to cast one of my other kids in the role. Oh, you got to throw in some other Culkins, too. I think, I think Rory's yeah. in the picture. He's, yeah. he's the dead kid yeah. <laughs> that that's killed yeah. by uh, Henry, the evil little kid. And that's, you know, kids are malevolent 
forces like forces of evil, but not innately evil. And that's so, why this is so silly. <laughs> it's so silly because he's far too methodical and planning. Blank from hell. It's the child yeah. from hell. The problem yeah. is he doesn't act like a child. There yeah. are children who are literally born sociopathic, literally born sadistic, but they have the emotional control of a 10-year-old. So it's like blatantly obvious to spot. Macaulay Culkin is this Machiavellian mastermind <laughs> hiding his real intentions, setting traps. Oh, yes, Elijah Wood, you'll never figure this one out. Murder. For you see, by convincing you to destroy all the food down the garbage disposal at 2 a.m., I have therefore planted the seeds in my father's <laughs> mind that you are the crazy one and not I. <laughs> now let me drink my chocolate milk. It's <laughs> Pass me my strawberry quick. <laughs> it's it's so uh, fucking silly and just so that's dumb. That's what I love about it, though. It's oh. like, yeah, I mean, it presupposes that, yeah, that this kid is like, possessed by the devil or something and he is a complete psychopath with zero emotions and that like no one's noticed this up until now he you just kept waits the until secret like of kill it, murdering your brother right and, until like and, elijah and wood has to move in with his family for a little while and now all of a sudden he's like oh yes would you like to indulge in some murder <laughs> And I know this is a stupid, stupid, dumb film, and I shouldn't judge it realistically, but, you know, if your child is that messed up, and you as your parent, you know, you know that they're messed up, but they're your kid, so you're like, well, they haven't killed anyone yet, so let's hope this whole weird, crazy phase goes away. Yeah, that's why and we we need to talk about Kevin as a good version of this mm. movie, part of that being from the parent's point of view, whereas... This is from Elijah Wood, the 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 cousin who has to come live with this his, his estranged family. It's a kids movie <laughs> essentially because he can't. Oh, get... Let's let's hear what Robert, Roger Ebert has to say about being a kids movie. Oh God. Maybe somebody somewhere thinks of this as entertainment, but I think of it as an exercise in irresponsibility by everyone connected to the project, especially the young boy's parents and managers, who should have thought twice before exposing him to such a distasteful role. The movie stars Elijah Wood as a little boy whose mother dies and his father has to leave the country. Yeah, 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 yes. (laughs) Should I keep playing it? No, it's fine. He he does go on a rant, but... Yeah, Yeah. it's a movie like... You could only like if you're a kid. The people paying to see a ticket will think this is silly. Maybe at best it's campy, like uh, mm. that Joan. Oh, I saw it. I saw it in the theaters oh, because you, of no, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I could not. I would not be allowed. I, we had wow. somebody else had to rent it in order for me to see it. I was thinking, like, would this work better if Macaulay Culkin was the victim kid and Elijah Wood turned out to be psycho? And I realized, like. No, because he's Kevin McAllister, and we think he's going to fight back in a creative way. He's not just going to be like, oh, no, I'm scared. You're scared. But Elijah Wood, it's like the foundation of his career is looking scared. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so silly. It's so yeah. silly. So, uh, so, so silly. dumb. I'd say not recommended, but like if you're our age, there's no way you miss this. Everyone was talking about it, like Max in an R-rated movie. I... I it was marketed to us essentially despite its r rating i I was shocked it was r rated like how did they not make this pg-13 because that's going to be a huge part of his audience i mean it it leans into some dark areas i mean there is a sexual element to how colkin talks about his sister in this film 
She's pretty, isn't she, oh, Elijah? Geez. It's you know, mm. so wrong. It's so I better wrong. go take her skating and then push her out onto the ground. I, I, I wanted to tip my hat. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she ends up in a coma, and we yeah. never hear if she gets out of that coma again. This movie like stops at a dead stop. It's like fight, 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 cliff, 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 end movie. And then 30 second voiceover, done. I just I have to spoil the ending though I do have to spoil the ending where like the mom has slowly cottoned to the fact that her kid is Satan and uh, then there's a big fight and it ends with them she the two kids are dangling off a cliff and she has one in each hand and she has to decide which one oh my god (laughs) and she chooses to let her own kid die it is like who did just try to kill her to be fair yeah, I yeah, guess, I but like you have to imagine, like any adult woman is like rolling their fucking eye. Yeah, I would let my child yeah. die. I would select right. my my nephew over my own child. Yeah. And so, listeners, by the way, that's a literal Sophia's choice. Yeah. Okay, don't use Sophia's. Sophia's choice unless you're referring to choosing which of your kids live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie is so silly. Oh my god. Uh, but yes, the good son. Would you recommend it? Oh it, no! I, I don't even think it's a good bad watch, honestly. I I almost want to call it a good bad movie. It's I want to just not. It's really close to being there. It needs like one more scene of ridiculousness, and there is some pretty good ridiculousness. I mean, the idea of like let's throw this dummy on the highway, Mister Highwayman. <laughs> that's what I'm about to tip my hat to, and basically, my friend Rocky. Uh, I saw this movie, Mr. Highwayman. He gets a dummy and throws it off an overpass onto a busy highway and causes, Lord knows, like, there had to be some deaths there. (laughs) That was, that that is awful. And I found out my friend Rocky lived next to the highway and he's like, yeah, man, sometimes I throw eggs off of it. And like, I want to do that. Like this movie, please, let's go throw eggs at cars going 80 miles an hour. And I remember he talked around it and wouldn't let me do it it like kept giving me new things to do when we got to his house he protected me from doing that he made up a lie he definitely never did that and he really didn't want me to do it but he didn't scold me he just kept distracting me because i kept like when are we gonna go throw eggs at cars and uh that's this movie probably caused more chaos than the fucking program um I mean, that was a pretty brutal car crash. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was car after car. You know, I, I half expected the Blues Brothers to slam on by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the only... How much money does Macaulay Culkin have? That is the only thing on screen, like, yeah, this should should cost $30 million. Like, there is no other indicator why this movie should cost so much in 1993 other than Max Payday or that car scene. Because thirty million dollars—that is never on screen. <laughs> it is a cold suburban set movie. Yep, pretty isolated. Uh, anyway, move. Let's move on to some things you might have been watching on the small screen. Uh, Nineteen ninety-three television, September twenty-second to the twenty-eighth. Start with a little drama. Hearts of the West debuts on CBS. Yeah, this sounds kind of <laughs> cute. Like. They, someone saw City Slickers and they saw it made a bunch of money and they're like, what if Bo Bridges moves his family to from, from the big city to like a rundown ranch well, golly. and they're bad at it and we can pair it with stuff like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. It's, you know, outdoorsy and dramas. Walker, Texas Ranger. It was in between <laughs> those two shows. Nice. If you can't succeed in that time slot, 
No, it's not going to work. No. And you got horses? As long as you got yeah. horses. Yeah. And uh, too bad. Hearts of the West in a show I didn't see one frame of, but I feel like lived on in at least Mystery Science Theater 3000 references for its silly name, Acapulco Heat, debuts in syndication this week. Acapulco Heat. This heat, looks so stupid. Heat, heat is, a, is an acronym? Yeah. Yes. yes. I don't know what for. Uh, oh, no. Okay. I, I looked this up. Uh, damn it. I forgot already. But this is the cheesiest stupidest show you can imagine the beginning of it really feels like a parody of a 1990s television show like if you were setting up how bad were 90s tv shows this is what it would look like By the way, HEAT stands for Hemisphere Emergency Action Team. <laughs> so the plot is you've got a bunch of top secret agents and they decide that the only way they can go undercover indefinitely is if they constantly pose as models and photographers at a beach fashion business. So that's why all of our ladies have to wear bikinis, uh, viewers. It's perfectly logical. Gotcha. Holy Lord. Yes. Oh, my Lord. God. Did Fabio appear on the show? You're goddamn right. Fabio <laughs> appeared on the show. Yeah. Uh, and he the- managed to pivot his like 15 minutes of fame so expertly. Yeah, if you're looking. Yeah. 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 And uh, hard pivot into sitcoms in a show. A rare show from this era I have a lot of praise for. Boy Meets World debuts on ABC. And I'm I'm. I'm the young one for once on this show because I grew out of the show relatively quickly, but it is a good example of ABC's TGIF block growing with its audience because Mm. watching something like Full House and Family Matters, you kind of feel like you're being talked down to, but not with Boy Meets World. I was the exact age of the characters in the show and it felt like a much more honest look of growing about growing up. And as the show went on, it dealt with more, more and more difficult issues and I'm not at the age of like of a diehard fan who even caught that silly reboot from a couple of years ago. But yeah, you can see by the 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 authenticity of the show why it stuck around in people's memory so long. There wasn't a lot like it. It still it didn't anger parents in the controversies it choose to kind of kick the hornet's nest of, but it felt way more honest than the TGIF block we just are growing out of right now. The the Balky era. Boy Meets hmm. World. And uh, is, is, am I, I, am I, I am just I, a little, I was a little too old for this. That's, I, I'm, I'm guessing at, I'm at alone in this because you guys but are just, just I, I two years older. I know this show is deeply like beloved, well above other sitcoms of the time. Like people have a, a real affection for this that they yeah. don't have for, for think, other. Just I think for, that's yeah, because, I think that's because they didn't go with the status quo as God. You know, they chronicled this kid's journey from boyhood to adulthood, pretty much real time, mm-hmm. starting a new grade every season, ending up with him college and married. If you grew up in real time with this kid, yeah. of course you're going to have strong feelings can't even, towards this show. It's why I find the show fascinating, because I didn't. while I didn't get to do that, I find it amazing that that happened, to, to constantly yeah. change where the characters are and what they're doing, dealing with alcoholism in a real way. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. It just, the thing that I carry from the show, though, is that it's, uh, that there's this whole, like, two generations below me that just have this amazing love for William Daniels. Yeah. The actor who plays Mr. Feeney. Yeah. That guy's been around forever. He plays the dad in The Graduate. <laughs> William, and he was on St. Elsewhere, and he's the voice of the the car in Knight Rider. He's still with us. My knock boy. on wood, he's 96. He has been married for over 70 years. And <laughs> wow. I think Diana just cursed him. Former, <laughs> former president of the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. That guy kills. And oh, he's in so many movies where he pops up for like one scene. And you're like, oh boy, William Daniels. <laughs> and I'm so glad that there's like all these groups of kids now or now like in their 20s and 30s that are like watching 1776 and like Mr. Feeney can sing. <laughs> yes, he can. And uh, on, on television airing this week, a classic episode of Seinfeld. Seinfeld, still very popular, difficult to merchandise. So I love how creative they've had to get. The MacGuffin of this sh- this episode has been merchandised to death. The puffy shirts <laughs> airs this week, Wait. thirty years ago. Wait, can you buy the puffy shirt? There, there's like all these at Walmart. There's a bunch of like Seinfeld tchotchkes, and you can get like a oh. soup Nazi can of soup and shit. But right. I've seen a ton of pins and uh, pops with Jerry wearing it. Uh, yeah, like this puffy sure. shirt and is, is available everywhere. I want this... just a fucking puffy shirt. Give it to me. There, <laughs> Halloween's done. Yeah, uh, this is the only Seinfeld memorabilia that is in the Smithsonian because oh. Seinfeld <laughs> wow. is it's a very well-known show. There's not a lot of visual things from it. It's yeah. not like the kit, the Knight Rider car or anything like that, except for the puffy shirt. And Jerry went to the uh, the Smithsonian and said, I'm proud to be here inducting this shirt on the smithsonian's most humiliating day <laughs> uh yeah but a great episode uh i, I rewatched it with my wife and she laughed through the entire thing and at the end of it she said why are we watching a 30 year old tv show and i said you laughed <laughs> you laughed it's it's it still holds up and uh i don't want to be a pirate i don't want to be a pirate <laughs> Yeah, uh, great episode. Um, is this uh, the quiet talker? It gave us that too, where mm-hmm. he agrees to wear. Right. Yeah, he agrees to it. And she's like talking just like this, just and he doesn't know what she's saying. Chris, will you wear a puffy shirt for me? Whatever. <laughs> sure. And he's going on. He's what? He's going on the Today Show, right? And yes. then he. Mm-hmm doesn't hear her say like i'm a designer and i've made this shirt could you wear it as a promotional thing and he's like uh-huh and it's this ridiculous pirate shirt with lots of ruffles the interview is one of the most uh, uncomfortable fake interviews i've ever seen yeah so good let's hear it look i'm sorry it is just a very unusual shirt it could be kind of a whole new look for you you know you could put a, a patch over an eye you could kind of like be the pirate comedian uh uh-huh, yeah <laughs> You could be wearing the puppy shirt at the Look, concert. it's not my shirt. <laughs> Whose shirt is it? What's the difference? I agreed to wear it. It's a, it's a puffy shirt. I feel ridiculous in it. And I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest with you. You bastard! <laughs> Did you hear that? That I heard. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, and and, and uh. strangely, it would go on to mirror... Every Seinfeld interview I've ever seen since. Boy, is that man an uncomfortable interview. He makes he is far too much money to let anything slide, it seems. <laughs> Constantly is creating problems. 
I never want to interview Jerry Seinfeld. What's up with this week on SNL? I just, this is a skit that got referenced yep. so much when I, I was in college. still say that with oh tiny my. compartments. Ugh. And, and, and I want to say, I always want to say Rob Snyder was great on SNL. Diana usually says no. This is an no. example of both, <laughs> of what Rob Snyder <laughs> did. Say the same thing over and over again with almost every yep. character he did. And this is the famous put your weed in it sketch. What's this from? Oh, it's from Borneo. It's for a Sulawesi puberty ritual. It symbolizes the journey into adulthood. Really? Yeah, and you put your weed in here. That is the punchline to so every product in the whole store. <laughs> but I've ne- JR, I've never forgotten it. Anytime I see nope. something with a tiny compartment, I say it to no one. <laughs> put your weed in there. And how antiquated will that seem in a few years? Like, Mom, Dad, why did people hide their weed? Well, you see, Junior... Uh, marijuana Back in used the to days be naughty of prohibition. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, I was thinking about that a bunch with Days and Confused, thinking about what low grade ditch shit they were all smoking. They're probably stone cold sober. Yeah. We'd sucked back then. Oh, yeah. You didn't I have was... a choice. Now weed kicks ass. I and I'm kind of imagine... sick of it. Like, there's too much to understand about it. Being hot and cotton mouth. Oh, smoking, smoking actual weed during the day. Get the fuck out of here. Give me some th- synthetics. Uh, let's move on to the games of 30 years ago. Uh, the 22nd, the 28th of Sept. Uh, let's focus on Super Nintendo here. <laughs> um, some really fun ones. The Captain America and the Avengers port for Super Nintendo. Port of the arcade game. Just play the arcade game. It's much better. It's so good. It was kind of my introduction to Iron Man back in the day. Cool Spot. A game that shouldn't rule but does. Based on the 7-Up mascot. And he had a couple of games, and yeah. this is the best game ever based on a soft drink logo. I think I feel confident. <laughs> saying that. That's yeah. I, I you, you, Pepsi Man fuck? didn't come here, so you, yeah. He's a little spot. He's easy yeah. to animate on the Super Nintendo. You jump, and it's a platformer. And he was so fucking cool—a little dot with sunglasses who surfs. Amazing. Operation Logic Bomb is also a thing. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, no saves. No pass codes no hope this is a pure gun game uh with some interesting power-ups like you've got a total recall type hologram that you can use to lure enemies away but uh not really something people would play today Uh, unless you save scum same with super widget um this is not something not something you download to your phone is this widget based on the the sub Captain America or Captain Planet? Yeah, yeah. Cartoon he show? came out before Captain Planet, mm-hmm. but everyone thinks he's a Captain Planet ripoff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, this is like an easy, easy game. You know, if you want your four year old to play Super Mario World, you're going to have a bad time. Start them off on Super Widget, uh, or maybe Tough Enough <laughs> Final Fight Clone. Finally, a fabulous Thunderbirds game I can get behind. What? <laughs> no, uh, it's not based on the song. No, it's no. Uh, Do you know what the ori- the original Japanese title though was Dead Dance. Way better name. And Ooh. if you look at the box art, the worst American box art I think I've ever seen. It's just a guy yelling, "Hey punk, are you tough enough?" taking up the entire box. Terrible. <laughs> Or is well, are you tough enough, Chris? I, I am. I played this numerous times. I have a tremendous affection for Final Fight clones. Uh, Want to do something with that someday? Anyway, Utopia: The Creation of a Nation for S- Super Nintendo. Best place Other for Civilization the, Builder. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, other than the original SimCity, I don't think there's a good strategy game on the Super Nintendo. Kind of a tough platform to do it on. And uh, Rocky Rodent. <laughs> Wait, no. Awesome <laughs> Possum is the ecological warrior. Rocky Rodent is just dope. So kind of a dark plot for this fun kid platformer. Mm-hmm. You owe the mafia money and they kidnap your daughter. <laughs> That's the plot. If I knew it was that easy, I might have a daughter just to get the money. I don't need the daughter. Uh, uh, I'm I'm looking at the cover right now and it ha- Rocky Roden is running through air and he's got red hair and red sneakers and he seems to be pissing off Donald Trump in a car. <laughs> well, your hair is your attack in this game, and your power up is hairspray. Jeez. I'm not joking. Oh. That's true. That's Popeye spinach. Uh, okay. And lastly, one of the coolest games ever, totally forgotten about, because I mean, you're technically Mario shooting. Yeah. For like one of the only is, times ever. This is the only Mario first person shooter that's ever officially been made. Yeah, it's called Yoshi Safari, and you don't see Mario because you're in his, he- you're behind his eyes. <laughs> you see Yoshi's head. Uh, one of the might be one of the best games for the Super Scope Six, the Bazooka Peripheral. <laughs> the ridiculous. I can't think of what would top it, you know. And it's not that great, you know. Uh, it's really repetitive. Get used to just shooting Goombas a bunch of times, and but the uh, biggest sprites in the Mushroom Kingdom, uh, second to yeah. Battle Clash. I think this is one of the better Super Scopes games, and there aren't most of them aren't great. Uh, rare book sighting though in this episode. What do we got, Jr. Books thirty years ago. We have. Nightmares and Dreamscapes by Stephen King. And this is the hardback that I, JR, personally (laughs) bought 30 years ago. Wow, that really happened. That is a doorstop, motherfucker. Yep. How many pages is that? Uh, This is 803. So at 15 years old, I read a 803 book page book and i loved it this is without a doubt the book that got me into stephen king i had been aware of him but this is the one where i just was like yeah this author is my jam and right after this i started reading the stand it the shining all the classics and there are so many stories that have stuck with me 30 years after reading this um it's hard to do a good short story collection because it's hard to have it all be a theme mm-hmm. you know like like an album an album mm-hmm. has a mood where one store one song goes into the other you can't really do that with short stories as well i'm sure you you can but it's not as common so stephen king just throws in these little writer bits on each story and this is what i was thinking of this story and this is an interesting story about how i wrote it and I was so enamored with it. That's, that's in the first uh, edition of the book. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really like that about King. That uh, I was a young kid. I was getting driven somewhere by a babysitter and long drive, like a two or three hours. So she starts talking to me about my life, what's going on. And I start telling her about the book I'm reading. She says, oh, uh, what's your favorite story? And then I get into this like in-depth repitch of some of these Stephen King stories and I get so excited I open up the door as a dramatic reenactment while we are going like 55 miles down the highway (laughs) just for a short second and uh, she was like that's fine never do that again (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's not to be confused oh, with the TV oh, show is... based on the book. Right. Because Oh yeah, well they copy these stories. That's what so it is. Three of them out of out of the eight. <laughs> they take yeah. three. Yeah, I, I recognize they... a couple of these stories. Crouch End I mostly recognize because I have a friend who actually lives in that that's a real neighborhood in North London near Arsenal. Right. <laughs> and I forget where it was where I saw, oh, there's a Stephen King story called Crouch End. That's awesome. I love that neighborhood. And it's like about a, a Cthulhu monster coming. It's like, yeah. nice. And the, the, <laughs> book the, the gave ones us... that really stick out to me are Dolan's Cadillac, where a teacher uh, tricks a mobster who killed his wife into driving into a ditch and then has to fill in the Cadillac with dirt so no one will ever discover it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a great one where a couple goes to a creepy old town and everyone's like you should leave and they're like we're not leaving and they're you should leave the toads are going to eat you what are you talking about and then (laughs) a rain of toads comes and eats them alive and that's how the town gets another good year of prosperity but the one the two that really stick out on me are umni's last case where it's a 1930s noir detective who's a fictional character in a fictional universe and his author is trying to switch places with him He's trying to take over his fictional character's life. And the fictional character ends up in the real world. And uh, a line's always stuck with me is like, yeah, I always said I never gave a shit. But then I found out it was actually true. Because he was living a life of fiction where he's never pooped before. But in the real world, (laughs) he had to go poop for the first time. Uh, But the one that really, really sticks out with me is uh, Rock and Roll Heaven. A couple goes to this area and they start noticing all these famous dead musicians doing like just jobs around town and they try to escape and they can't and they're cursed to listen to a concert with every single dead rock star every single night so like times a whammy whammy bowl so they just every night it's a concert where every single dead rock star plays a full concert and then you got to do it the next day. Imagine they have, they'd want a night off too. It, it, the book did give us, I don't know, the Night Flyer, which I was, I, I, I categorize as one of the worst Stephen King adaptations. It's a hilarious movie with Miguel Ferrer, but one of the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes wise of Stephen King's adaptations. Uh, I, Dolan's Cadillac had a movie. I didn't even know that. Um, and then uh, we ready to move on to music. Music of 1993, 22nd through the 28th. Mariah Carey's Dream Lover is still number one. Other new releases include Very by the Pet Shop Boys, Face the Heat by Scorpions, Big Red Letter Day by Buffalo Tom, uh, 187 He Wrote by Spice One, Believe in Me by Duff McKagan, Body and Soul by Rick Astley, Cowgirl's Prayer by Emmylou Harris, uh, Easy Come Easy Go by George Strait, Return of the Boom Rap by KRS-One, Laid by James, and They're All Gonna Laugh at You by Adam Sandler. Yes. <laughs> yep. You we you were just talking about that uh, a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I was. Kathleen yeah. Turner's got some big thoughts. Before streaming and reruns, this was the only SNL on demand that existed. Adam Sandler's They're All Gonna Laugh at You. Um. Yeah. So let's close out with. Uh, uh, look, I get the Carrie reference. Speaking of Stephen King, but that's a pretty optimistic title, bitch. Well, <laughs> uh, and so we want to take us out with some Lunch Lady Land. That's the only song I know. So yeah. Is, is, do any other songs? You're well, the expert. The, the dirtiest song is at a medium pace, <laughs> 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 which is all about how Adam Sandler likes his cock stroked. 
And uh, <laughs> yes, but let's go but, with lunch. But lunch Ladyland has singing along to Sloppy Joe, slop, sloppy exactly. Joe. Exactly. And, and it, before there was the Lonely Island, they let her make a music video basically on SNL with Chris Farley. And I believe there is an actual music video, not an SNL sketch, with Chris Farley as the lunch lady that I only recently yep. found out about. Because where were you going to watch Adam Sandler music videos in 1993? I don't even know where they would air. <laughs> anyway, we'll close out with that. Stay tuned, people. we got to talk about kind of the christening of the rock right after this. Hoagies and grinders, hoagies and grinders, navy beans, navy beans, meatloaf sandwich. Sloppy dough, slap, sloppy dough. Sloppy dough, slap, sloppy dough. Come on. Sloppy dough, slap, sloppy dough. You die. Sloppy dough, slap. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. The 1980s were the golden age of mean hard R comedies. I think I was remembering my sanitized commercial television viewings because, like, Beverly D'Angelo's naked for, like, no I, reason, and I totally forgot I about that. I had forgotten all about that. Because yeah. that, that shocked me, too. I was like, wait a minute. she We see her boobies a couple of times. I don't remember that. This might be a fact. This is the fourth National Lampoon movie? I yes. was shocked to find that out because there's two I have never seen or heard of it, between Animal yeah, House. Two that are kind of lost. One of them's called uh, National Lampoon Goes to the Movies. And Class then, Reunion. Hmm, Class Reunion. Yeah, that's right. I think this is the last movie that where it's clearly defined, like Harold Ramis is involved in this in some way. Like we have some DNA of people who yeah. worked the National Lampoon magazine. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of like anything goes. Now well, it's kind it, of like stoner frat comedies, but not always. They, it's really they, the company doesn't exist and they sold the I name. Know to put on shitty movies that are like already being made, I believe. And they just, they'll affix the National Lampoon's, I guess the R is for the the magazine's reputation itself. It was pretty Hmm. fucking edgy for, for its time. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. I'm terrified of you Run my finger across the stage But yet I'm terrified of you I wait my whole life To find the right one Then you come along and that freaks me out So I'm fighting Dracula's wedding You know I'm terrified Coming in to 2003 with Dracula's Wedding Off of Speaker Box slash The Love Below Still the last album by Outkast, um, which is on Rolling Stone's best 500 albums of 500 albums as of 2020. Um, yep. Now I went with a deeper cut on this because uh, this song is funky as hell, and I love it so much. It was not a single, I don't think, but the big singles off this all hit number one. Yes. So I'm not playing Hey Ya, and I'm not playing I Like the Way You Move because we're gonna hear them plenty. Yeah. This song is so funky. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, stealing from Matthew McConaughey. Uh, <laughs> other new releases from September 22nd to 28th, 20 years ago, 2003. We got Bananas by Deep Purple. 
a self-titled album by the Dresden Dolls. World War Three by KMFDM. Uh, Want One by Rufus Wainwright. Unwrapped by Gloria Stefan. Untying the Knot by The String Cheese Incident. Stumble Into Grace by Emmylou Harris. Hey, look at that. Ten years later. Uh, a self-titled album by Scylla Star. Some, uh, Some Devil by Dave Matthews. His only solo album. Weird. Huh. Do a solo album when you own your own band. Uh, results May Vary by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> North by Elvis Costello. Natural Selection by Fiul. The Long Road by Nickelback. Go by Vertical Horizon. Murphy's Law by Murphy Lee. And Shake Your, uh, Shake Your Tail Feather by... Shake It Tailfeather by Nelly P. Diddy and Murphy Lee is uh, still number one. A little bit of news to bring you in. A little bit of news this week? Not much, it looks like. The only thing I saw we'll talk about probably in one of the movies we're going to be mentioning. Uh, Here's here's your shitty news story. You know who has the number one book this week, 20 years ago? Madonna. Sex? No. Her children's book, (laughs) The English Roses, is... Uh. At number one right now, and I guess Ooh. we'll is either starting or perpetuating a celebrity writing a children's book and immediately making a ton of money off of it. Uh, let's get into the movies of 2003, then, shall we? Daryl Hannah, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Marsha Gay Harden with Casa de los Babies. Yeah, uh, House of the Bait. What? what? Yep, Casa de los Babies. It's a very, very small John Sales joint, as John Sales joints often are where it's about a bunch of women who are have to like make a residency requirement before they can adopt a baby from another country. Hmm. And it's just about them waiting around and the parents who are about to give up their kids for adoption thinking like, well, but you know, they get to go to America, they'll have things better, but you know, I'm still my baby and I wish I wasn't doing this, but maybe this is for the best and yeah. And what do you want? It's John Sales. John Sales fucking rules, and you should probably just watch all his movies. Yes. All of them. Instead of the next movie, uh, Harvey yes. Firestein, Eileen Essel, uh, Drew Barrymore, and Ben Stiller. Drew Barrymore, internet darling right now. Uh, duplex. Duplex. And it's just like, how do you make the money pit look like a classic? Duplex. <laughs> mm. Duplex. Is this, I think, the last movie directed by Danny DeVito? I think that he just sucks. gave up. Yeah. After I, this, which is a shame. I mean, this and Death to Smoochie back to back is like. But what uh, the roses. What a great one. Uh, come as on. I understand even, that, even Hoffa I liked. Yeah. Come on. As I understand this, this is the adult version of Dead Man on Campus because they bought a <laughs> duplex with an old lady who lives on the rent controlled top floor and they're just expecting her to die. They are actively right. wanting her to die and she keeps not dying. Hilarious. Which sounds like there's <laughs> more you could do with it, and she's really, really annoying. But like the good son, whenever the cops show up, she's like, I'm just a sweet old lady. What are you talking about? I'm innocent. It turns out, oh, she's underhanded. And then there's a twist at the end where she was in on it the whole time. Indeed. Which, yeah, it just sounds like there's a good idea that you could have done more with. Uh, I know. I, I saw basically no good reviews. No, People it really was, did not like Duplex. It was trashed. Um, mm, it's we, a shame. But, uh, you know, our pivot into Mark Ruffalo, Scott Speedman, Amanda Plummer, Sarah Pauly, and My Life Without Me. Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think we can technically call this Mumblecore, but it is like an indie about a woman who, she's pretty young, but she finds out she's only got a couple months to live, and she just decides to try to do stuff she didn't do before. 
and also like record messages for our kids for the next 18 years. Mm. And the reviews are pretty good. You know, it's a very small indie. It's the kind of thing that is elevated by performances and Ruffalo and Sarah Pauly uh, both kick ass all the time. So uh, yeah, what do you want? Well, how about an erotic drama? <laughs> That's, An extremely British erotic yes, drama. Yes, Emily Mortimer, Peter Mullen, Tilda Swinton, and Ewan McGregor in Young Adam, I believe received a rare NC-17 rating stateside. Mm, because I did not get around to this, but I can think of one reason if Ewan McGregor's in a movie, it might pull an NC-17, and that's his dude. Yeah, man, love showing his dick. I think he did it for like his first six movies, like just yeah. showing his dick. That and uh, graphic and somewhat violent sex scenes. Yes, where, like, he works on a barge with Tilda Swinton and Peter Mullen. He's having an affair with Tilda Swinton. And then they find a dead body. And then there's a flashback to, oh, it turns out he knew her and their relationship. And everyone's double-crossing each other and being extremely grimy and working-class British. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds I, pretty grim. I, I but, saw it and did uh, not remember I, anything from it uh, 20 years later. Uh, but uh, same... I mean, if Peter Mullen's there, it's going to be grim and British. Well, uh, oh, good. Let's stay. Let's stick with Europe then. Uh, Lindsay Duncan, Sandra O, oh, Diane Lane. It's under the Tuscan sun. Welcome to Tuscany. This Friday, fall in love. Francis bought a house in Tuscany. Under the Tuscan sun. There's hot water in the toilet bowl. This is really bad, isn't it? Not if you give your butt a facial. It's funny. Seductive, touching, sexy, and smart. Diane Lane is Oscar-worthy. Good things can happen. It's such a surprise. It's the most beautiful film of the year. It's freedom. <laughs> Under the Tuscan Sun. Rated PG-13. Under the Tuscan Sun. Diana, so take this it. This is <laughs> a very rare film for me in my 30-20-10 viewing. My wife and I were watching it. Uh, we had to stop halfway through due to time reasons, and I am going to watch it after this show is over. Mm. I right. love the first hour. Uh, it was a really sweet, uh, funny at times. Uh, beautiful scenery. Uh, Italy's gorgeous. Who would have guessed? Well, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I watched this movie in a rare case for school. Uh, really? Yeah, I, I, one of the coolest courses I reflect on quite a bit. It was travel nonfiction in my creative writing Ooh. degree. And yeah, I don't think I've read more books that is basically just this. <laughs> Bored moms <laughs> chronicling to travel to a strange place. And it's always fascinating uh, if you're traveling correctly. You know, unlike me who has to go to every Disney world. And... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was like, oh no, Chris is gonna give. It's like, oh, is this a rom com bullshit? I was like, I don't know. no, because yeah, it's very Eve before Eve pray love. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of just someone being depressed and miserable, and her her relationship has fallen apart, goes on you know a trip just to get out of town, and then realizes like, you know what, fuck it, fuck everything. I'm just gonna buy like a crappy house in the middle of nowhere, and I'm gonna fix it up, and that's going to be you know how how i get my groove back and god damn yeah of course i love it that is kind of my fantasy yeah i'm also in the middle of doing a bunch of like hands-on building shit around my house right now so it's like seriously <laughs> relating to the like oh good i got the tiles fixed oh god damn it they all fell out. fuck 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 and then like when you finally get it right you're like oh accomplishments uh yeah. take yeah. apply yeah. that to I me my 
and my uh, dollar store Halloween craft that's going on. Boy, do I have pictures to show you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I bought my mom's house. Uh, she's a wonderful woman, horrible homemaker, just like the worst. Lived in that house 20 years, didn't do a drop of maintenance, bought it, and... Every single year for the next nine years, we had to do some major thing. And we would have done them all, but it was like, well, we just paid down the last major repair. Let's save up until we got enough money to do the next major repair. And mm -hmm. it's just this sinking feeling like you're never going to be done. And then we did finish, and then it was time to move. Yay. <laughs> yeah. But See, this I'm, film I'm captures in... that. Yeah, I say I'm in the middle of the professionals did the professional thing, and I'm pretty much just sort of doing the cleanup. And it's it's still just annoying and frustrating, but also like really satisfying of like, okay, well, nothing's got a square angle and not a single wall is actually level and flat. But I'm going to make it work. Did that work? No. Did that work? No. Did that work? Oh, yay! Except that this isn't goddamn Tuscany. <laughs> so... Yay! Yeah, um, it was kind of like taking a little vacation, but also I could relate to it because of all my goddamn hardware that I got lying around the house right now. So I, I was expecting to roll my eyes like I did at E Pray Love a lot, but nah, I loved it. Also, Diane Lane is just so much, she's just so charming. Mm -hmm. And even though she's like one of the most beautiful women ever, I just always find her like really relatable. Yeah, yeah, she has, she somehow managed to like, I'm the plain girl. I'm like, you are a Miss America winner in every respect, <laughs> but yeah, you're always presented as the plain girl. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, she's like attainably hot. Yeah, well, yes, not, not in a anymore. way. It, it, for movies. For, I'm saying for yeah. me, not for her. Yes, unattainable right. for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah so I, like I, under the Tuscan sun of like, yeah, you just want something just sort of light and relaxing. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, yeah. Who doesn't love a story of like who as an adult, even as I get older, like the fantasy of dropping out, like yeah. dropping out, but less depressing than like into the wild, <laughs> like something a little more happy. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I don't hate Diana. I don't hate have seen, All right. have seen, Yay. have own it on DVD. Um, and then the next really? movie I also own on DVD. It beats out Under the Tuscan Sun, but Under the Tuscan Sun sticks around the box office. It becomes a crazy. Moneymaker. Uh, yeah, but also costs way less yeah, yes. than this movie, which ends up like barely breaking even. I don't know if it even broke even. Yeah. Uh, I, I imagine, remember DVD sales at this point were like encompassing, I think over half of a movie's gross at this point. It was kind of a new avenue for movies to make money, which they don't do anymore. Yeah. Um, Rosario Dawson, Christopher Walken, Sean William Scott, and The Rock and. Not his debut, not even his starring debut, but his, like, movie star debut, uh, The Rundown. He's a good man. You do not want to hurt them. In a bad oh. business. I do not want to fight. <laughs> but even good men... We are not fighting. ...get pushed too far. Try to be reasonable. This Friday, see the movie that marks the arrival of The Rock... I'm impressed. ...as a bona fide movie star. Do you work out? Two thumbs up for the rundown. Ready PG thirteen at theaters Friday. Yeah, man. Uh, the rundown. Didn't love it, but watched it again last night, and I have like a ton of respect for it. Weirdly, <laughs> I this, this is interesting. First of all, 
some international listeners will be confused, and now I'm confused in that this was also known as Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. Oh, yes. And for to so we don't confuse listeners. This is the movie with the Rock in the jungle with hair, not to be confused by the 17 <laughs> other movies with the Rock in the jungle without hair. It, <laughs> True. But that's that's yeah. It, that's so confusing. Why do you make two different movies called Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah. Yeah, and that you're not even including like uh what was that uh center journey the center of the earth same setting same yeah. character I, I love that picture that was floating around like it's four pictures of the rock sweaty and in uh jungle fatigues and a bald head and like these are four different movies that the rock <laughs> has done and this isn't even one of them but the respect i have for it comes from like it's very romancing the stony and like you, mm. you don't even notice in films like jumanji like they're almost never in the jungle. They're on a green screen. They're on a closed set. Maybe there's some exterior shot there, but the cast isn't there. Like, yeah, these action sequences are like very much. I, I, they're not saying they're in Hawaii. I thought that was funny. They were scouting locations in Brazil, got robbed, and like, well, fuck filming a movie here. <laughs> Shoot it in Hawaii where we don't get robbed. Uh, but it's supposed to be some third world uh, South American country. Uh, it was well, supposed to be in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. As was, as was told in that famous documentary about the making of Island of Dr. Moreau, mm -hmm. if you go five feet into any jungle, it just looks like the jungle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the jungle. You don't really need to go deep into it. Just go a little bit and you're in the jungle. Yeah. But, yeah the... And Hawaii has a ton of jungle and some very beautiful cliffs that they threw stuntmen down. And uh, yeah, the, the rocks, regular stuntmen was like, I absolutely refuse to do that. And and they got a different stuntman, and I think he got very badly injured. So watching this now, the fight scenes and the choreography, it's very refreshing because this is clearly happening in Hawaii, and it's it, the beautiful shots, beautiful stunts, very well choreographed fight sequences. And it, it, I don't know why it blew my mind so much. Like, of course, The Rock is good at this. That's why they cast wrestling people in so many major roles. Their job is talking in stunts. That is what they've been training for, for action roles. I love this. Ric Flair talking about how he how he practiced wrestling. He'd hang a string from his doorway and punch it, trying to get it to move as little as possible, to throw as hard a punch as... I don't even know if stuntmen do that. So what The Rock, fresh off wrestling, is kind of amazing here as an action star. Everything's very Ooh. believable. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was very interesting to see after 20 years, you know, we're, we're not counting the Scorpion King because that movie sucks. Yeah. But yeah, this is very much of like, he can be a regular old action star, even though he's still credited as The Rock, not Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. But he's not as crazy swole as he ends up being, you know, he's pretty damn big, but he's not like insanely big. The The fight scenes have a... a, a decent amount of wrestling choreography that i don't see him doing anymore yeah not only in the, that where he rock bottoms jason statham in that fast six movie uh. yeah there's a lot less <laughs> throwing whole bodies compared to the rundown and yeah the plot it does take a weird turn into romancing the stone territory because like the basic idea is sean william scott is like some gangster son who's been living in the jungle in Brazil and the dad wants him back and he gets Dwayne Johnson who's like a bounty hunter to go get him and he goes down there and finds out like he's looking for an artifact and also like this whole town has been controlled by evil Christopher Walken who's enslaving people yeah I'm like 
Okay, that's a bit far. <laughs> Guy. The original title was Hell Dorado, and what, like, dude, stick with yeah. that forever. That's good a, God. That's, a good, that's a good title. So there's like, it does seem, you know, weird. It's like, okay, now they gotta like go through the jungle, and Sean William Scott's gonna be like a bit of a dick, and they have, you know, some funnier moments and some actiony moments, and Christopher Walken is walking it up, and in the end, there's a big giant fight with a fuck ton of guns and they made a whole big deal about how the rock doesn't use guns and then turns out guns are his superpower he can <laughs> hold two shotguns yes. at once full size <laughs> shotguns blowing people away and then all the bad guys are dead and then i guess the village is not enslaved now yeah yeah I'm that's how that works unclear but is okay. is this the first movie where the rock is really the rock you know he's driving around He's shooting guns. He's smashing up buildings. Previous one, he was in a sword and sorcery flick. Yeah. So this is like yeah. the character that he'll really. Yes. Be yeah. Because it doesn't. Yeah. Scorpion King doesn't count because it's you know a spinoff of a character from another movie, and they did that very intentionally. But you heard Roger Ebert say, "The this is the Rock's big test to see if you're the next action movie star," and it wasn't out of the park successful, but like. Everybody who saw it, I mean, I even some people were like, "This movie's." Some of my more actually friends were like, "This movie's awesome. I love this movie." The Rock, I'll see him in anything after this, and it, it won. The, it it was marketed that way. It won the hearts of audiences. And if you're like me and saw this 20 years ago, there is a quite literal passing of the torch in the movie that is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I finally looked into it. Arnold Schwarzenegger appears as if to say, "Like you got the juice now, kid." and he, he yeah, he just whispers something. It's such a yeah. weird cameo. Right in like the first two minutes of the movie. Yeah, and and that was weird. In hindsight, I'm like, why the fuck? What? Why would? Why would Schwarzenegger give this kind of blessing? And like in real life, he is one week one week away from winning the gubernatorial, <laughs> being governor of California. <laughs> he is one week away from like abandoning his movie career. Uh, also. He was on set eating lunch with The Rock that day, and they were joking around and like, "Yeah, if you can squeeze me in in five minutes, I'll totally do a cameo." And that, so it wasn't, it wasn't framed as a passing of the torch. It was just Arnold thought it'd be hilarious if you can somehow squeeze him in the movie with no planning, and they did. <laughs> it, it makes it's jarring in that little sense it makes. <laughs> yeah, it's weird looking at Dwayne Johnson's filmography and seeing like, yeah, he's obviously like one of our biggest action stars right now. 20 years later and it's like there is no breakout part that was like oh that's it he's he's the guy now it's just slowly building up credibility yeah you know and the fast adding being added to the fast and furious movies makes it is that's a big jump but yeah there isn't like i think they wanted this to be like this is like his lethal weapon like his huge breakout of like oh my god that's he's the guy now and it it wasn't yeah, but it, he it, never has had one of those. There isn't one where it's like, well, yeah. Jungle Cruise made $600 million. No, so he, it, it's actually guy. like a weird little farce. Because I think a few years ago, at least, The Rock was the highest paid actor in the business. None of his movies did well, but he made six of them in one year. He mm-hmm. makes, I always theorize, I think The Rock makes m- the kind of movies that he likes to watch. And those aren't right. always the type of movies that I like to watch. And a lot of, a lot of them the are forgettable. Thing. This segment is 20 years old. Yeah. So he's been a big action star for 20 years Pretty now. Amazing. There's an expiration date on how long you can be an action star. 
he's 51. How long mm. is he going to keep being able to do this? It's hard to say because if his movie career hadn't taken off, he could still be wrestling. Like The Undertaker just quit. You can still wrestle in your 50s if you're careful. And he's, yeah, work, solid workout regimen. He posts it all the time on social media. He's working out most of the day <laughs> or Jesus. eating so he can work out more. He is yeah. built for this. And again, I, I can't say I love the movie, but I developed a little more of an appreciation for like, yeah, it's it's almost a throwback uh, mm -hmm. to like old school 80s action movies, but done very well. It just never has quite enough of what I want. Sean William Scott is not funny enough. Christopher Walken's not on screen enough. The Rock doesn't <laughs> kill enough people until he does. And you see, his job here is a retrieval expert, a errand boy for the mafia. You can see how this character, oh boy, do they want a franchise. And that they didn't get it <clears throat> is kind of strange in hindsight. But it, you know, it doesn't break the bank in movie theaters, but... You know, home video was so huge at this point. I'm sure it made a ton yeah. of money there. Yep. Yeah, I think it's kind of a light recommend for me. Like me you too. said, it's it's sort of a throwback. Um, not a lot of fat on it. It's pretty much A to B to C. Um, mostly everyone, you know, looks like they're having fun or doing a decent job. And yeah, just the, the different style of fighting. It was like, yeah, do not see, considering how many wrestlers we have in things, we do not see wrestling much in Action. Not much fighting. Hmm. I, I yeah. was remarking at the Guardians holiday special, like, I haven't seen Drax actually beat the shit at anybody in a while. This is refreshing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's produced by WWE Films. And mm. it feel if you've ever watched one of those, and that's not entirely recommended unless you're really into those characters, it's like the most expensive WWE film I've ever seen. It, it has the same tone. Yeah, you see, that's the thing that I don't understand is why this was so expensive. It's like $80 million. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's on screen. Like, the, the big set piece of, like, look at this gigantic mine. Like, okay, well, that's a special effect that yeah. they're on a green screen. Ooh, um, I mean, they, they throw some trucks off of roads. That was cool. Very cool. There, There's a pretty good monkey puppet. Yeah, I don't see it either because it's not like anybody here is commanding a massive salary at this point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure, yeah, you know, but the uh, direction's good. It's Peter Berg, uh, Berg coming up slowly on, on that. And yeah, 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 light recommend. It's kind of fun. Light recommend for the rundown. Me too. I'm digging it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God, we have so much TV. So uh, much TV. And people, here we go. People, I wanted to take this a little more seriously than normal. This, I guess it feels like it marks 20 years of me kind of deviating from mainstream television or were we all kind of locked into like, there's, I've never had more access to films from everywhere, all films <laughs> from all over the globe and from any time. I don't need to waste my time with regular television and prestige television like HBO stuff on HBO was capturing most of what I was watching. And see, this is when I discovered DVDs. Yeah. 2003 is when I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can buy DVDs of television shows and just watch <laughs> them all without commercials. Yeah. And then I was hooked. I never went back to yes. watching television with commercials yeah. because I just was like so spoiled with DVDs. I was just like, no, I'm going to wait for it to be on DVD just so I don't Netflix have to watch in the public library. Like I was abusing the mail in disservice, burning everything. I still have hundreds of burned DVDs. Uh, mm -hmm. So 
I, yeah, I am so disconnected from this. So I tried to watch a couple of these. <laughs> oh, please tell me you did not watch one of the, the first one. No. An, an absolutely notorious failure. Coupling. The American version of coupling. Yes. Wow. This bombed so hard, I'm kind of amazed The Office ever happened. Because yeah. it's the same thing all over again. This is a fucking great British show. I love British coupling. It was running on BBC America at the same time. If you want sexier friends or sexier Seinfeld, mm -hmm. like way sexier, yes. You should coupling is so fun. It's from Stephen Moffat, who ended up taking over Doctor Who, doing all that stuff. British coupling, fucking hilarious. They take the scripts, they Americanize them, and they gotta cut stuff because they need ads. And it blows. Mm. It's so, it's, uh, the pacing is all wrong. The casting is off. It, it's like, what, what did you do? You took a, how do you take the same script and fuck it up so bad? Yeah. I, it's so, so it's, bad. And like all the reviews early on was like, this is the worst thing. I'm like, well, now I got to watch it. And I watched it to the first commercial, commercial break in 2003 going like, this is a train wreck that hit a dumpster fire. Oh my God. Yeah. British coupling is so good. I just looked it up. Uh, you can watch it with ads on uh, Roku channel. Hey. It's fantastic. I, British coupling is like one of my favorite shows from the, the 2000s. It is so funny. Uh, much less notable are the ABC debuts of I'm With Her and Hope and Faith. And so I'm With Her is kind of a fun idea that it's actually written by Brooke Shields' husband. Oh, uh, yeah. He created the idea of like what happens when you're a schlub and you're with, you know, a very famous person, very famous, pretty lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, it I don't think quite makes a season. Hope and Faith lasted a couple seasons. It did. It, it, the Kelly Ripa show. Right. Kelly Ripa and uh, Faith Ford from Murphy Brown. Um, and I think she's a former soap actress. Which she is. Yep. So mm -hmm. that. That sounds fun. You I, know, I just don't. I don't remember someone so I've never heard of so thrust into the limelight than Kelly Ripa. Like she what? just <laughs> replaced Kathy Lee Gifford next to Regis, and then gets her own sitcom. Like, where did this fucking woman come from? And that, <laughs> uh, it made me look into her a little bit this week. Just like, yeah, it turns out just, she's kind of fun to be around, and <laughs> that's people like Kelly okay. Ripa, and uh, she's still hosting that show. And then, yep. and then the big one. One of the biggest moneymakers in television. 12 seasons. 262 episodes. I God sat damn. down and watched the first episode of Two and a Half Men just so I could say, just, <laughs> just so authentically, I don't like this. But it's more than I don't like this. It's like, I don't live on the same planet with anyone. Like, how is this... <laughs> how, not only how is this the most popular show, the central premise is like a guy guy's wife leaves him because she's gay and he moves in with his brother with his young son and all these people leave the show and the show's making so much money even without the half one man one and a half men it keeps going <laughs> it keeps on going for 12 fucking seasons and i just i i Maybe I, my brain just can't sit still nowadays. And like, how is this passable? And who would watch this on purpose for 12 years and millions, even more people came back after Charlie Sheen left. 
It's yeah, so many people watch this wreck. show. I mean, I was tempted to go and watch my very first episode after no, the but train it, wreck. It retained because... that audience for a number of years and, and even mm-hmm. and got even more of an audience when Ashton Kutcher comes on. That's it wasn't yeah. just the 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 train wreck, the rubbernecking of that one episode. They stayed with the show after that. It it was a resurgence. Which I don't because what is yep. the show even about? <laughs> it's the it's odd couple. Yeah. It's the odd couple. I guess. And they hate their yeah, mother. Yeah, one's a boy. horned dog and one is neurotic, and also there's a kid and there's jokes there too. Yeah. I, d- I don't understand. I don't understand at all. Because like what I was talking about, the formula I had my brain was abandoning that made me embrace Boy Meets World for a little bit of authenticity and clever writing. None of that is here. And just that punctuated laugh track of every unfunny thing that's said. I, it was, it was, it was only 20 minutes, but it was one of the more miserable experiences I've had doing the show, trying to watch two and a half men and just feeling so disconnected. Like, why do I dislike this so much? I've caught clips online and it's like the best of the best. We've condensed this 150, whatever episode show into 10 minute chunks. Okay. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And even those aren't funny. Yeah. Even these these tiny clips that are the best of the best. I'm just like, alright. I've never yeah. and I'm saying that like I, I I'm superior people. I don't like feeling like I don't belong in society. So my lack of enjoyment <laughs> here made me feel alienated from human beings. Oh God. I yeah, I three camera traditional sitcoms just sorta don't work for me anymore. At all. As I've gotten older. There there's some that will come through. Uh, but yeah, for some reason, the, the broadness of it, the staginess just doesn't quite work for me. And yeah, at the same time, like I've seen just random episodes of this or big bang theory or whatever, just, you know, happen to be on TV and it's just, yeah, whatever. Oh, oh, an interesting guest star. Okay. I'll just watch this. And and they had a lot of interesting guest stars on the show and, and just being like, this is fine. It's also like my brain feels turned off. Like, and that some people find that very relaxing. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't I say focus. I, I have nothing against it. That's really what it comes down to. Like, I got nothing against it. It's just not for me. But sure, whatever. I mean, the sitcom was a standard for like sixty years. That was mm-hmm. like a yeah. huge part of television. Was sitcoms similar to this? No overarching plot. You can miss thirteen episodes and be just fine. Just put your brain in park. I had no idea yeah. Melanie Linsky was a cast member on this. <laughs> I had yeah. n- no idea until I, this today. Had Melanie Linsky's the bomb. He yep. plays his stalker neighbor. It, 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 odd character. I, yeah, I just it, yeah, it wasn't any better or worse than a, than like watching a Perfect Strangers episode. That's just what I find so wholly weird. Yeah, yeah it, except that you know, uh, Charlie Sheen aside, John Cryer is really good at this. I, you'll never hear me say anything bad about John Cryer. Love that man. He is just very good at a very specific thing, and he just. Yeah, just let him do that. Give him all the money. I'm fine with that. Uh, and then moving on to drama, once again, packed with shows of such a long mm. and profitable legacy that we are kind of immune from. <laughs> Starting with all the Brotherhood right. well, of I've, Poland, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. I, I've broken them into groups of things that made it past one season and ones that did not. Brotherhood of Poland, New Hampshire sounds uh, adorable. It's a David E. Kelly show. Uh, with uh, Randy Quaid and John Carroll Lynch. And, you know, they're quirky guys in a quirky town. That's like half of David E. Kelly shows. And the other one, other half is like sexy lawyers. 
it sounds cute. It died. No one can remember that title also. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not confusing at all. And no. they, I, how did this, I remember this. Alicia Silverstone is back, baby. Uh, one of the most beautiful ladies of my teenage years in Mismatch. Oh, this another one died hard. Yeah. Is died ugly and hard. Where she's she's a matchmaker, but she can't get her shit together. Wah, wah. And they made such a huge push of like Alicia Silverstone. She's doing a TV show, and no one liked it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> same could be said for Ten to Eight Officers on Duty on ABC. Cops, B- cops. Uh, the Handler cops. debuts on CBS. <laughs> so. This was an interesting idea. It's an FBI agent assigned to train the newbie. Uh, that could have been a good arc, but again, no one took to it. Yeah. No, the lion's den. This one I find really interesting in retrospect because yes, for one um, reason. Yeah, well, Rob Lowe, you know, he's he on the West Wing. He does great, and basically he goes off, and it's like, oh, this is like a, a spinoff. No, it's not a spinoff, but it's kind of like the firm, but it takes place in Washington. And so it's going to be about like political intrigue and, and corruption and conspiracies, but they didn't really sell it like that. They sold it as being like, he's really idealistic and in Washington. I'm like, well, I don't need to watch that because the West Wing is still on. Yep. And then the ratings died and they had to fill out the 13 episodes contractually. They got to make 13. They found out they were being canceled, and I guess the last couple episodes go totally fucking bug nuts. <laughs> Apparently, he might turn out to be a serial killer at the end. They just threw up their hands and went, wow. who fucking cares? They're not going to show him, we, but we're obligated to make him, so let's do something funny. Right, and I think... So, I love it. Cool. Is it, and, and cool. I'm not, if I'm not mis... I could be wrong on this. If you were wondering why Jewel was at the Rob Lowe roast, I think it was from this show that they had yep. some on-screen kiss together. Uh, yep. Who would remember? And the shows that did last, none of which I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> Joan of Arcadia <laughs> debuts on CBS. That was one of the only ones that like critics were kind of championing and had something going for it that I recall. Yeah. I... I- they advertised it and it looked like it was touched by an angel. And so I stayed away, mm-hmm. but all the critics basically said, no, it isn't that it is about Amber Tamblin as a teenager who God tells her to do things that seem kind of random, but it ends up like domino effect doing something helpful to someone. So there's kind of like a drama mystery element to it. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. And it's got a, a ridiculously solid cast, but CBS is really good at selling these things to old people, but they're not going to sell it to mid twenties Diana. I mean, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's two seasons, so it could be one like for streaming. Sounds good. I like Amber Tamblin. Yeah. Uh, well, if you like Jimmy Khan, then maybe you like a Las Vegas, which debuts uh, here and goes on for it reaches syndication numbers at the very least. Uh, yeah, but it's impossible to stream today. This is one I did watch. Okay. I watched about two seasons of this it was a phase of my life when i was poorer than i've ever been before since i was uh Mm -hmm. living off money i saved up uh to go to grad school so i was just like living like a monk and for some reason that's when i got into this series and then next year entourage because it's like this extravagant lifestyle that i could Mm. never ever do (laughs) at the time and it was like wow 
they go to restaurants. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Oh, uh, but uh, the show itself is very formulaic and it's, you know, it's the people who run security at a casino. And that's not a bad thing for a TV show to be about because mm. when you have a TV show, you usually go to doctors and cops, cops because those are two people that are always going to be encountering abnormal situations. So it's very yep. easy to just have them have to have handle some plot of the writers. And similar with a casino, you know, these are the people in charge of the security. So, yeah, anything crazy that could happen in Vegas, they're going to have to and deal I, with. I love that. You're right. It's because Vegas itself is sort of like legal crime. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then they, they have all these roles like uh, gambling. But don't you count the cards? Like, why can't you count the fucking cards? Like, <laughs> it's it's a game. They have an episode on that. <laughs> yeah, it, they, they have an episode where one of the new persons is like, "But they're counting the cards. Uh, why do we not let them do that?" And they're just told because we work for the casino, and then the casino doesn't take money. Make yeah, money. yeah. If, yeah. If I if I it's try like, to yeah, win the game, it's perfectly legal. But every casino will throw you out if they figure out that's what you're doing. It's hilarious. Yeah. And yeah, I I think my concern is that's a great location for yeah new characters to come through and have interesting stories about them, but it's also expensive. Yeah, anytime you're out on the casino floor, you need a lot of extras, mm-hmm. and you need to build out that space, and that costs the money. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. I used to do a bunch of event planning stuff where I'd be in Vegas and it was always I always volunteered to be the guy to go talk to security in the morning find out did any of our guys get in trouble last night <laughs> those guys do have some fucking good stories <laughs> yeah. they are the most jaded people in the history of the world they're yeah. really funny and yeah i watched it this is probably the most non-jr show jr has ever liked mm. like it is not in my wheelhouse um but yeah for whatever reason first couple of seasons i quite enjoyed it and we're going to be talking about a couple of special episodes this year like mm. a guest appearance by a celebrity who then dies on the show mm, i think i know who you're talking huh. about um, interesting well, right. hopefully Keep that's not a cold case like the show that debuts on CBS uh, runs for another seven seasons. Cold case. God, does CBS know yeah. the market? Yeah. Oh, it's a great yeah, idea. Procedurals. You know? Yeah. Again, uh, yeah, cold procedurals. cases, listeners, are just criminal cases that no one's actively trying to solve at the moment. So you just pull them out of the file and says, Oh, look at this problem from 1987. Let's examine it. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then One Tree Hill debuts on WB, a, a channel I did not have and therefore wouldn't have watched even if I could. Wow. Mm-hmm. I did not realize how long this ran, though. Nine seasons for, you know, a coming-of-age show about, like, brothers in a small town that I think, like, they end up, you know, they're done with high school and i think like they skipped them through college yeah. <laughs> i'm just and like see, uh, they're back home now that's a brilliant idea though because if you're about teenagers mm-hmm. and then you send them to college it's kind of just like spinning the wheels another four seasons i really think skipping forward in time where they kind of like match up their actors more because now it's like mm. oh 
the 29 year old actor is playing a 23 year old i can believe this now uh and then everybody get out of the way the ultimate show for non-30 2010 listeners the jag spinoff to be to rule them all ncis debuts on cbs and yep i tried watching a little of this i weirdly i when i i was in san francisco i got a moved in with a dude i didn't know very well artist very cool very hip tivoed this show and watched it every week it was like it was like his secret shame like he loved this show so in a one tv household i've had to watch a ton of this never understood what he dug about it uh military i think you just need to watch the first 900 hours of the show (laughs) and then the remaining eight hours will be great because there are 980 hours of ncis NCIS Los Angeles, NCIS New Orleans, New Orleans. NCIS uh, Hawaii, and NCIS Sydney. If you were to watch them, no pee breaks, 18 days, 12 hours. It is one of the few shows we'll ever mention, scripted shows, that is still on the air 20 years later. Uh, yep. 10 TV movies. It even ha- I didn't even know they still did that. And why? <laughs> yeah, because they know their audience. Uh, yeah. They know that the people who are still watching network television are the people that started watching this back in 2003 and just have never shut off the television. Well, he- here's the weird thing about that, that looking into it. One, Jag wasn't like this hugely successful show. I think it got canceled on NBC and ended up at CBS. Uh, mm-hmm. It This show is like, you know, it's in the top 30s, the first four years and then something happens after season five i don't know oh i could only guess maybe it got syndicated and it's shown like law and order somewhere it Mm -hmm. skyrockets to like number one in the ratings and looking at how many millions of people watch this more people watch this today than they did 20 years ago that's what's crazy because you're like yeah they're just no it's finding new audiences in america alone how do you get into NCIS in its 15th season? I don't understand it's humans. Because, because it's a procedural, you know, again, it, it's cops, but it's cops that have something to do with the military. And also and a huge budget. You could, you could have spying and you could have uh, defense stuff. And, you know, you can have this here and there, maybe some foreign folks. Ooh. And, you know, you got a team I think the thing that about NCIS compared to something like Law and Order is like there actually is a little bit of levity, mm-hmm. you know. The, especially they've got you know uh, Polly Perrette is like the the goth tech forensic lady. Like there's a shows chance up, she's some there's very a, she nice. She became you know, such an icon. I never yeah. watched oh, yeah. the show, but she like spread across the internet like wild. There is a slight chance yeah. this uh, aforementioned roommate only watched because of her. Yeah, very you know, very much like her hot smart goth girl everyone likes that you know and she's, yeah. and she's very light and fun and perky and you know uh there's stuff about their personal lives but not very much stuff and yeah. and and they they cycle through so many actors and they do such a good job where it's like mark Harmon. i got no complaints with mark Harmon. sure gary cole 15 19 years later i love gary cole it's okay who's in between bunch of guys Lauren Holly, Maria Bello, Jennifer Esposito, Wilder Valderrama. Sure, whatever. Just cycle through them, you know? It's, like, it, it, it's the same as Law & Order, where it's just like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, so assuming, it's very light. Assuming the writer's strike doesn't continue on into the next year, this has already been renewed. 
and yep. it will then break Gunsmoke's record for number of seasons. Not a number of episodes, but number of seasons. And I remember growing up reading about Gunsmoke as being this like television show that no one will ever beat this <laughs> record. And then The Simpsons just blows past it, yeah. and now this show is blowing past it. And I looked it up. Of the five longest running television shows of all time scripted network all five of those come next year will still be on the air wow i I mean that's i was gonna remark on on one tree hill going eight seasons it's kind of that awesome fox dilemma that i benefited from they'll keep a low-rated show on the air for longer because what the fuck else are they gonna do they're struggling if this gets any critical praise Let's have some faith. Let's not do an NBC and cancel it after two episodes. All TV shows, all channels are that now. (laughs) If we have an audience that we're retaining, we will do our best to retain it henceforth forever. Because that is how you, that is how you lose an audience forever nowadays. Yeah. I I just feel like cultural change is slowing down. Mm -hmm. Like we're still listening to music that's not quite as different as music used to be different. And our movies are all sequels. And I know that's an old complaint, but also like our television shows, that's new. We're, you didn't have in the 1980s, 20 year old television shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Except for uh, that one. What was it? Oh, forget it. Uh, NCIS. Our hats are tipped, uh, <laughs> I guess. That's all we can say. They, they uh, cracked it. I mean, how many procedurals do we see here? We just had the one, you know, uh, 1013 cops on patrol, whatever. You know, that made it like a season. They, they might like, have to. Whatever. Rena- they nailed the formula, whatever that is. If if NCIS Sydney takes off, that is five concurrently airing NCIS shows. They might just have to rename CBS NCIS. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, let's move on to some video games because uh, one, we got, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk about the adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Jet Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. Or even more bafflingly, something you we have no modern comparison to, Nintendo's like, enough is enough. We're stopping production on the NES and Super Nintendo. In like, 2003, listeners. Yeah. Freaking... Wow. A, I mean, it was still selling in South America and some other markets like mm-hmm. that. But still, it, the first Nintendo was sold in Japan in 1983. Yeah. So you produced it for 20, 20 years. years. Can wow. you? There is no way in hell you're going to be making a PS5 or a Xbox insert name they here. They probably won't make the same PS5 in like three more years. It'll be a no. different version of it. But yeah, that... I learned a lot about that working at a game company, how slowly consoles sort of crept all over the world. And by the time, this is when the whole world is kind of into gaming, but a lot of it was through Super Nintendo and Nintendo kind of getting aftermarket sales going over there. I remember Brazil in particular, like wouldn't sell things unless you somehow manufactured them in the country, benefited the Brazil, the country of Brazil. So they got this really slow thrift market of, games and they just they, things would become popular like 10 years late, later than they would here crazy crazy um but yeah th- thinking about because we still hear stories like that but it happens way sooner they stop supporting a console or they but like this is stopping the manufacturer construction 
of the console that they haven't supported in Jesus, maybe ten years. Nintendo hadn't personally released any peripheral or game for for ten years. It's crazy to think about. Um, maybe why people love it so much. And then uh, moving on to there's a book here. It's got to be because of Jr. Uh, I know I was only reading old stuff. Quicksilver by Neil Stevenson. I yeah, this is his Baroque cycles. Oh. Uh, novels and uh, if you go to the science fiction museum you can see how he wrote the entire close to 3,000 long page long series by hand what yeah he wanted to change up his writing so he wrote this amazingly long series completely by hand it's set in the 17th century with the Basically, it's about the invention of science in the modern world, mixing with just this hint of maybe the supernatural, but it's like a light sprinkling. Uh, really, it's about showing you Isaac Newton, cryptography, the Sun Kings, Puritan, Royal Society, capitalism, you know, everything that kind of like resulted in the modern world mm. being born. It's, it's a fascinating mm. read. Uh, when I read his previous novel which was set in the philippines i read it in the philippines and this one is set in uh like uh, the dutch and i was like maybe i should go to europe just to read a book but <laughs> sadly i didn't do it i mean the, uh, this, is, this is your poor there is period. no better city to just sit and read a book than amsterdam i'll give you that one yeah 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 high or not you know try not to fall into a canal that's don't read while walking. I could never read while high. Can you read while high? I, it's very difficult. Uh, I don't know. It's very difficult. I don't know if I've tried. I have. Yeah. It's it's hmm. all over the because because it already slows down my perception of time and I start judging judging my reading comprehension. Uh, cannot read well while high. Okay. With that uh, notion, let's close out with some fucking Nickelback. God, why have we done this in? eight years cowards we uh someday by nickelback will take us out but don't move we got one more segment left to talk about and you're not going to want to miss it Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 22nd through 28th, yep, how about just a mere 40 years ago, this week saw the release of, I believe it's me, Sarah's favorite movie, or one of her favorites, Lawrence Kasdan's The Big Jill, which should be a movie I hate. It should be a movie everyone hates because it's about a bunch of boomers who used to be cool, but now they're boomers and they got kids and boring stuff and they get back together and they realize now they're boring. Their friend, who is played by Kevin Costner, not appearing in this film, uh, he kills himself and they kind of all get back together for his funeral over like a long weekend and reevaluate like where their lives have gone and how do they feel about that and what what does it mean to be heading into middle age what have they done with their lives and who are they really my god the acting lineup is so good you got glenn close william hurt jeff goldblum tom berenger 
Kevin Klein, Mary Kay Place, Joe Beth, Meg Tilly, every single one of them could be a disaster as a character or as an ensemble. And gosh, it's like, I, I really, I want to pull the script apart and pull this movie apart. Like, why does this work so well? when so many other things like it fail. So the big chill from 1983, I, I find a really interesting look at like looking back at like who your friends are and what does that say about you and what is friendship and what, what do we want from our lives? Yeah, that's kind of heavy shit for a movie that's actually mostly pretty funny. Like it has a lot of fun stuff in it. And then turning 60 this week from 1963 is the directorial debut of a little boy that nobody liked who was an assistant to Roger Corman. And they were in Ireland making a movie. They finished early. They had money left over. And they said, eh, let the kid go make a horror movie. So with a bunch of leftover bullshit, a little boy no one liked named Francis Ford Coppola pulled together a movie called Dementia 13, which is supposed to be a knockoff of Psycho and is actually, like, pretty good. <laughs> I finally watched it a couple of years ago and I was expecting it to be not great. It's not really meant to, you know, you're not supposed to pay attention to it too much. It's for like drive-ins, for teens, whatever. Who cares? And it's actually like it's it's psycho with a bit of the haunting, sort of an old dark house thing going on. Considering it's made for nothing, it's okay. Not bad. So, yeah, you can watch Dimension 13 or just go watch another Coppola movies. 60 years of making them. Besides, obviously, The Godfather 1 and 2. If you've never seen them, I know the hype is kind of daunting worth it <laughs> worth every minute of it they are wonderful films that you can rewatch over and over other stuff that like maybe you're not thinking of though the rain people another one with Khan! kind of an unexpected uh fun little movie apocalypse now or heart of darkness watch them both together rumblefish the outsiders peggy sue got married i love peggy sue got married everyone should watch that i think we've talked about this early on the show peggy sue got married is like it's like Back to the Future, but serious, but also still really funny. I don't know how else to put it. So, uh, yeah. Ha happy anniversary, Francis Ford Coppola. That's it for this week. Stay classic. Don't you ever say I just walked away. I will always want you. Coming into 2013 like a wrecking ball, like Miley. Miley Cyrus, it's number one this week. Wrecking Ball by Miley. You know this song. Everybody knows this song. Mm. Um, oh, it's so controversial, though, because she's a little girl, but she's being so sexual. Yeah. What? <laughs> it, 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 it might be, I think we're coming up on a few remaining times a music video managed to penetrate managed to penetrate. The whole zeitgeist. It's very rare nowadays. Um, Miley pulled a very late act of it. Anyway, other new releases from 10 years ago. We're in the 10 portion of 30, 2010, 2013, September 22nd through 28th. Other new music releases include a self-titled album by Dream Theater. This is Iconopop by Iconopop. Alive by Jesse J. Uh, Seasons of Your Day by Mazzy Star. Nothing Was the Same by Drake 
Fortress by Alterbridge. Days Are Gone by Haim. Uh, the 2020 Experience, Two of Two by Justin Timberlake. And Pure Heroine, the debut of Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, Lordy, Lordy, Lord debuts. Anyway, a little bit of news to bring you the wonderful world of 2013. Angela Merkel and the Christian Democrats win a third term with the best res- their best results since 1990 in German federal elections. Remember her? Angela Merkel. A woman? Yeah. You can make a strong case that Merkel is the most powerful woman in the entire 21st century so far. Mm. I, I, yes. I thought my yes. recollection was when we had that um, weird child tantrumy president, the one he, uh, who threw Starburst at her, uh, mm. the world kind of said, like pivoted towards Merkel, like you are the one who has to like speak for the entire world now because uh, the U.S. president is weird. And <laughs> yep. Third longest serving chancellor in German history. Wow. Only beaten by her mentor, Helmut Kohl, and then, of course, Bismarck. <laughs> That's it. That's the only people Bismarck who have served longer. Who basically like, helped create Germany being yep. one country. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well. Not bad. Moving on to into the movies of 2013. Ten years ago, September 22nd to the 28th. Uh, do we have to talk about this, JR? We t- did a whole show about it. Um, you loved it. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> uh, Bizzuti, Chantel Quinznell, Brad Dorif, and of course Fiona Dorif. Um, Curse of Chucky. Curse of Chucky. We uh, Patreon.com slash laser time. We did Child's Play last year for Elm Street Nightmare, a Halloween-based look at a franchise, a horror franchise. But yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I I wasn't in love with it. Uh, I think they downgraded the budget uh, to like a buck fifty. It's all shot in one location. They don't do a very good job of making that location interesting, and they cut out all the humor, like all of it. So Diana, isn't what I see of Chucky? Yeah, well, Chucky wasn't always funny. It was really scary in the beginning, and Bride and Seed of Chucky started this horror comedy hybrid beautiful fun queer movies uh, I'm saying that with all compliments with some really sinister subject matter like ripping a doll baby out of a doll lady uh, anyway they the, the creators decide to drop any horror pretense or comedy pretense and go straight horror again for which the series had kind of abandoned and I think it's pretty valiant. And then it, you know, spoiler at the very end, you think it's like this clean reboot. Jennifer Tilly sitting in a car with the <laughs> uh, everything, all the canon is still there. You just get this straight horror movie and leads right in. One of my favorite end credit sequences, uh, post credit sequences with Andy, the original kid who was haunted by the Chucky doll, picks up the phone, there's a knock at his door, and he's delivered. He's back in the film series. <laughs> what? Yeah. The kid from 1988 is back in the yep. film series yes. in 2013. They haven't really ditched anything. <laughs> like I think JR will at least agree it might be one of the most fascinating sequel patterns. 100%. Like, uh, yeah, franchises. It's, it's a very interesting to chart the progression of this hundred percent and you can hear that chart on patreon.com oh so good at this slash laser time five bucks got a new season El- uh, elm street nightmare with uh, evil dead coming to you like shit soon as hell um other october movies- 1st it's dropping wait you should go before october 1st um because oh, yeah we- yeah we have more episodes than october uh than our weeks in october I don't know. We should have talked about this before. 
anyway. is the I'm counting four, five, six, six out of seven Chucky's not counting the reboot in 2019. This is the sixth Chucky movie, which really is an interesting refresh because it gets sadistic and gross uh, in a way it hadn't really been in a while. Uh, back in 2013, Metallica through the never. Is this their yeah. weird 3D movie? Yes, it is. It's Metallica's version of Pink Floyd's The Wall, where it's like, it's a story, but it's also a concert film. But mostly it's just a series of trippy music videos that are kind of connected by characters and setting. It's if you like Metallica, I mean, if you don't like Metallica's music, yeah, you're fucked. There's nothing. For you here. <laughs> but you do. <laughs> yeah, but I do. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, it's only the new stuff. Like it's, you know, over over the whole discography you know there's a lot of classics in there and uh i didn't finish watching it i ended up just watching a couple clips because there was so much to watch this week and i was like oh okay i kind of enjoy this especially in 3d this would have been or like on an imax screen this would have been pretty fucking cool okay i, I want more bands to do shit like me this. too because make a weird movie thing seems like kind of a vanity project like only a handful of musicians could even afford to pull off and yeah. even then, you can never guarantee your whole audience will see it. Um, yep. And probably why it hasn't been tried again. Up next in the movie theaters, Brie Larson, Tony Danza, Glenn Headley, uh, Rob Brown, Julian Moore, Scarlett Johansson, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in his directorial debut, I believe, in Don <laughs> John. only one. Again, it, just like Morgan Freeman and Bofa. And, and because it's just the only movie he's written and directed and like... Why, why are you so up in this subject matter, man? What's up? What's going on? You got a porn problem, buddy? <laughs> I, my God. Well, I have so many thoughts about this movie. So, yes, this is his writing and directing a story of a Italian guy from New Jersey who is fully addicted to pornography. Don John. It, I can't believe it, this subject is being tackled 10 years ago. I... I really try to be careful with <laughs> my dabbling in pornography because I started working from home before it was cool. And <laughs> and if you if you recall throughout history, pornography was something you actively had to like go do even if you have to go get the magazine out from its hiding place or drive to a jerk off booth. And then now it's like all of the porn ever in the palm of your hand and we're all alone more than ever. Holy shit. <laughs> I feel like not to sound all uh, Bible thumpy about it, but like I think we'll see a kind of a shift in society. <laughs> like there's the potential for addiction there is crazy. I think it's absolutely a social problem. It's not like the end of the world or anything, right. but it's a minor problem. It's, you know, up there with like when cheap alcohol was introduced to great britain yeah you know? it was it's a because porn used to be very very expensive in money and in time like you said you know mm -hmm. ah my wife is gone i guess i will just drive to the pornography store <laughs> rent a pornography drive back to my home watch my pornography get back in my car return the pornography <laughs> and then return home before my wife is home it's that's what it used to be like. Right. <laughs> and and this is like it's so beyond that. Like, even if this guy just had VHSs in his house, he would be a porn addict. I mean, he 
his entire life revolves around like going out, hooking up with girls, bringing them back for a one night stand, having sex with them, and then getting up to watch porn while they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like that is a level of a problem. And he doesn't, I mean, it's kind of interesting in the movie that he talks about like why he likes porn more than real sex with actual people. And we understand, oh, it's because you're incredibly shallow and selfish and you don't think of those women as people and you have no emotional connection to them. And this is just, you're just jerking off, but the woman is your hand now. Okay, that's fine. And then then he meets up with Scarlett Johansson, also very much a new Joycey Goyle. It kind of tries to make the point that her porn is rom-coms because it's also unrealistic expectations and not how the world works and an unhealthy way to be porn does not represent actual like real sex that normal people have nor do rom-coms and then julianne moore wanders in from a better movie (laughs) (laughs) and like it kind of turns that upside down of him realizing like what it is that is missing in his life yeah i i Okay. So you don't is that you saying you don't like the movie? I I I was way more I, intrigued and enveloped by the movie than I thought I was going to be. I you know, I really like so much of the movie and I would actually I think I would go so far to say I love this movie if the characters weren't such massive broad Joycey Shore Pricks. stereotypes. <laughs> like it's so unnecessary that yeah, it's all Jim Tan laundry and it's like by making these characters so cartoonish, we, like we're not really, I feel like we're not really engaging with what's actually there, mm. there, the real emotions. But it did have some like little pleasant surprises for me. Like there's a scene where they're at, like Bed Bath and Beyond, and he's like, "Oh, I got to go pick up some Swiffers," because, and she's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Because I need Swiffers for cleaning my apartment," and she right. is so horrified. Most women would be like, oh, my God, a man with standards. He cleans his apartment. I am in love. Let me take my pants off right now. But she is so disgusted because that's not something men do, like, in her brain. That's not something anyone should do. Like, no, you should hire a cleaning person. I don't like thinking. I can't even be seen out with you with Swiffers in your hand because that's not her idea of masculinity. That was really surprising and very intriguing. But. I kind of wish she weren't acting like, no, that's disgusting. Let me wave my nails at you some more. Like, please just bring it back a little bit. Just a little bit. And I, I was shocked. I haven't seen anybody depict like a, when you have sex after years of no condoms and in hands, <laughs> you, that is an adjustment. That was like, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure you guys yeah. have had to go through that, but, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I've had a series of long relationships and yeah. then uh, gone back to condoms. It takes some getting used to. Suck. They're horrible. <laughs> They're god awful. <laughs> um, necessary, but a, yeah, but yeah, a movie that movie has the balls it. to say it. Oh man, like um, I would recommend this movie. It tackled a subject matter that does not get tackled enough. There's a great article on Cracked Magazine called "The Great Porn Off," and it's all about. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure you say you're not addicted to porn. Go 100 days without it. <laughs> Write down your feelings. 100 days isn't that long. Just go 100 days without porn. And you tell me if you can do that. I couldn't make it to the end of this movie. It's reminding me of all my favorite scenes. 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised how much porn is in this movie, but it is firmly R-rated. Like, yeah, tons after, of tits, tons of ass, no dicks, no. After shots, a no bunch of shots. cuts, because apparently there was so much porn in the movie, it got an NC-17. <gasps> oh, yeah. It's like I'm very conflicted about this. Like, there's a certain amount of like this is edgy garden state going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, and and it kind of fucked up Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career, like. Some critics say it definitely divided people in, in general, and yeah, I mean, overall, I'll recommend it. I think it's it's pretty interesting, but it does have some flaws. Yeah, it takes it takes like a subject matter, I like like porn addiction that I haven't really seen anybody depict, but then draws this cartoonish universe in human being. <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah, yeah. It's just so strange, and I can't help but think like, what's going on with you, JGL? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, did you guys see the movie Shame? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, that was a more powerful take on that. Who's someone who's a sex addicted person. But mm-hmm. I do think they should make it just porn where the problem isn't sex. The problem is just too much porn because that's that's a real problem that happens out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting. him saying like, I don't even like real stories anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> watching so much porn. Yeah, and then and you think, oh, he's not that addicted, but so, and then when he, he goes to confession every week and gives you the numbers, and you're like, oh god, do you uh, get, think... do you have a job? Yeah, <laughs> at night. Terry Crews has come out uh, with uh, mm. him saying he had a porn addiction, and he said something very telling: if day ever turns into night without you intending to, it to do so, you have a problem, because he would just start. Uh, edging listeners and just <laughs> go on for the entire day and waste the day. Mm. Well, you can't get those muscles from nowhere. And <laughs> That's why you got to switch arms too. Just switch arms. Don't do the death grip. Yeah. You don't want to look like a He-Man figure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, yep. I, I thought an interesting approach to the rom-com. It just was unexpected and I hadn't, Hadn't seen it, but we can move on to Adam Brody, Jill Scott, Trey Songs, Boris Kojo, uh, Tay Diggs, Derek Luke, and Paul Paula Patton in uh, baggage claim. Uh, I want such good things for Paula Patton. Mm. I like her; she's good and stuff. Um, I mean, this is when she was saddled with that guy. Even though he had the song of the summer, she's still with that guy. But yeah, they put her in a rom com where she's guy? a stewardess and Robin Thicke. Oh, okay. Right. You wrote an entire album trying to get her back. Yes. Yes. It did not work. Uh, the, you know, she's a stewardess and, and everyone's bothering her like, oh, you should get married. You should get married. And she's sort of high fidelity it where she like goes back through her exes to, you know, see if any of them are marriage material. And then she ends up realizing that it was her best friend all along. Aww. We I... need better rom-com material. I hate so much the idea of like you're x number of years old you should be married like no marriage is not an end goal marriage is a starting line mm. god damn it yeah and well, he... uh the later you wait to get married after like age 32 the higher your chances of divorce are Really? 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 Yeah. Once you get up to age 45 your divorce rate is about equal to that of an 18 year old. What the fuck? 
Now, my question is, is that for first marriages? That is for first marriages. Oh, I just thought it was people who were just, they figured out how to divorce, so they just keep doing it. No, I'm (laughs) constantly worried about that for myself, because you, when you, not even living with somebody, you just are so used to doing everything on your time. Like, what if I get so stuck in this? It's been like Mm. five years. and that's so, kind of so like are, are you are you saying people should all get married at 22 and divorced at 24 to just yes. get that first one out of the way <laughs> just take them so, all again and now you'll find your true love if you want to be married for the least chance of divorce using age as the only factor which is stupid and dumb get married between the ages of 28 and 32 wouldn't it be fun if like Society made a rule like no kids involved. Everybody gets one free divorce. You get one mulligan. <laughs> you can, <laughs> try it out. Maybe. They, yeah. Uh, exactly. Learn for yourself. But no, it turns out to be very expensive, even when there's no money yep. to be maybe, made. Maybe it's just it'd be a ticking clock where it's like you get married. And if you want to split up within 18 months, it's like it's free. Yeah. Like there's no I mean, no dividing property. There's nothing. Just everyone walks away. I mean, you know. Prenups exist. You can write that into a prenup if you want. Yeah. So romantic. Yeah. <laughs> even, yeah. even I cannot think of how to broach that. Uh, I got a prenup. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Yep. No. Just, I think it's the smart thing to do, honestly. Why it's not getting his podcast? Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen, old JR. <laughs> Actually, it's expired. Uh, we wrote a prenup for 15 years, but wow. we've been married longer than that. So it's. Oh. You know, Hilarious. Hilarious. Oh, that's interesting. I, I want to talk about, about this doing way that. more than I want to talk about the next two movies. So. No, I like the next two movies. <laughs> yeah. My only issue with the next movie is like, this is like the last di- working director making adult movies for adults. And <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my God. Pierre Francisco Favino, Alexandra Maria Lara, Olivia Wilde, Daniel Bruhl, and Chris Hemsworth in Rush. From Academy Award-winning director Ron Howard. This is an incredible battle. Based on a true story. To be a champion, it takes more than just being quick. Two rivals. I can beat this guy. Driven by one desire. Just give me the drive. You have to believe it to make it possible. I've been waiting for this my whole life. Rush in cinema September 13th. Ron Howard, an American director, taking I don't I Europe Europeans love the F one sport. That's really their thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It is. And I don't know any fans this, of yeah, F one racing. I every fan I know is uh European. <laughs> it just happens to live in America. <laughs> I know F zero um, fans, JR, and I did I got I gotta send you this number one screenshot I got. Uh, all right. Yeah, number one baby made it. <laughs> nice. So but this movie did a good job of making me understand why Formula One. Formula One now seems much more interesting to me than other car racing, such as NASCAR, where you turn left. Mm-hmm. Formula One, Grand Prix, you you go, there's bends, there's turns, you're going around towns and cities, and, you know, it's it, it, it's much more strategic and incredibly dangerous and because deadly. you're also just... Uh, yeah, it's deadly. They make a very big point. That's what this is about. So this is based on the true story of uh, James Hunt and Nikki Lauda, who are both Formula One racers in the 70s. And um, 
they have a fun rivalry where it's it's sense versus sensibility, which is always one of my favorites. That <laughs> one guy, shockingly the Austrian, is extremely like technical and exacting and then there's like the fun british playboy who like fucks all the ladies and also drives really crazy just you know heart versus head that's that's kind of the whole story uh and they actually make you like give a crap and i was hoping we get more adult dramas from ron howard because i I really had to think about it how many ron howard movies are r-rated oh shit yeah he's uh, it's quite the populist yeah yeah it's like there's yeah, but there's, you know, swearing and titties and someone gets called a cunt and like, all right, Ron, we, we're all grown <laughs> up now. And then he went and made Hillbilly Elegy and, you know, fuck that shit. But <laughs> yeah, like I, I cared about Formula One. I cared about the characters. You know, it takes a big turn. I had heard vaguely that like, oh, there's a crash and the guy got really badly burned. And then it becomes a comeback story and you're not sure who you're rooting for. And I, I just yeah, like I, I thought it was really well done. I owe it to Daniel Bruhl to see him in anything where he's not a Nazi or a Hydra member. I really, <laughs> really like that guy. But I was selling it that way. It's uh, it's Thor versus what was his character's name? Oh, uh, Zemo. Uh, Civil War. Zemo. Zemo. Yeah, Thor versus Zemo in cars. Come <laughs> on, man. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Rush, baby, Rush. That's a Diana yeah. recommend. And yeah, ple- pleasantly surprised. And by all accounts, I didn't get a chance to see it. Pleasantly surprising. Look at this oh, cast. Oh, this was so cute. Neil Patrick Harris, Benjamin Bratt, Christian Shaw, Andy Samberg, Terry Crews, uh, Will For- recovering porn addict Terry Crews, Will Forte, James Caan, Anna Ferris, <laughs> and Bill Hader. Uh, James Caan, wow, yeah, Coast to Coast 30 2010 champion uh, this week. Uh, number one at the box office, it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Flint Lockwood thought he had saved the world, and but something big was left over. Taco Dial Supreme. On September 27th, my machine created living food. All right, let's get to it. Why am I talking to a pickle? An epic adventure. There's a leak in the boat. Will come to life. Let's get the jelly out of him. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Steve. <laughs> Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. Following up on the um, original, how many years ago was that? Two, three, yeah. But kind of the, the, the is this sort of the, the dawn of your boys, JR, Phil Lord and Chris Miller? The this first one is... totally was, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This is adequate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. uh, the first one is great. The first yeah. one uh, is really good for kids because the main character is both the hero and the villain because yeah. it's his own actions that cause the disaster. Don't see that a lot in kids movie. This is standard kids movie plot 257 with twist 27B. Okay. This is <laughs> nothing original. It's a series of cliches. Uh, animation's decent you'll see an occasional reference to cloudy with a chance of meatballs one but this one never it's forgotten and deservedly so yeah i thought it was it it won me over by the end it it's kind of sweaty how they get to where they want to go because it starts immediately hold on a second it starts immediately after the first one where he built a ray that turns water into food and then giant food started destroying his town and now tech billionaire Will Forte shows up and is like, come work with me at this place that is parodying Google. We'll have lots of parodies of Google stuff and some of them will work and some of them won't. 
And then it turns out, oh, of course, he's actually the bad guy and he just wants to get the food ray, which has been left going bananas back at the hometown. And then they go back and the place is turned into like its own crazy food ecosystem. And I was like, okay, the crazy food ecosystem is what this movie needed. It took half the movie to get there. Mm. But then when it does get there, it was pretty adorable. Like, yeah, the the taco dial supreme, the shrimp pansies. <laughs> I love puns. I just love, I'm such a dork and I just love puns. You like words. You know, yeah. You know, I'm like taking the pickles out to fish for sardines because for some reason pickles really love to eat sardines. I, I don't Okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and what, once it gets going there, that was, I, I enjoyed that stuff. But yeah, you can feel it's straining plot-wise to try to figure out where it's going. <laughs> So yeah, a light recommend. Yeah, first one, super recommend. I, I really love the first one. And it, yeah. it had a real sense of fun. And this is like adequate. Yeah, adequate. I just took note of, just because you don't see it very often, the sequel's significantly cheaper than the They usually wow. loop up everything. And They're... so, yeah, if it maybe doesn't look as great, maybe that's why. Uh, let's move on to some television. Like, no, <laughs> I felt like the designers were having a lot of fun, especially with like the backgrounds and environments of just like, yeah, let's just go crazy with food, plants that are food, food that are plants. And yeah. Well, forgive me Pretty. for uh, moving on to television because it's equally stacked with work. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But. The highlight JR has that he uh, teased last week. Do you call this your last ever hate watch? Yes. I was in a death march to finish a Dexter. I had so little <laughs> free time in my life at this time, but I started Dexter almost day one, followed it along in real time, was really amazed with the first four seasons, which I think hold up amazingly. Yep. After that, it started to go downhill. And by the final season, I was just like, I am going to freaking finish this. I'm going to end this show. I'm going to watch <laughs> the end of it. God damn it. I hate the fact that I'm wasting my only free hour this week on this show. That's, but I'm going to do it. I and was sort of like that with Lost. But to Lost's credit, it wasn't so much a quality over content thing. Like, dude, please address what's happening here. At some point, follow up on these things you promised stop spinning your wheels where Dexter was like, that was a huge drop. There was a huge drop off in my opinion yes. after the second season when they ran out of book source material and somehow forgot that Dexter, the ghosts in his head are, are reading things he's having in his head, not things he's talking to and giving him clues in person. It became so dumb. And I can't think of a show with worse tertiary characters is angel unhappy with his job. I don't care. He is not a serial killer. Like <laughs> that, that. This is not a B. Uh, this is a fucking Z plot. Oh, I feel like this. The the later seasons of Dexter is the first time I was saved by streaming. Although in this case it wasn't streaming, it was Netflix and getting the physical DVDs. Yeah, because I don't have Showtime. This was the only Showtime show that I watched, so I would wait for it to come on DVD on Netflix, and then we would watch the whole season. And there you go. So the season had already aired by the time I am watching it. And I got to hear season five is pretty bad. Maybe you don't want to bother. And I was like, that's fine. Season four ended in a very interesting place. And I'm perfectly happy with that being my ending for the show. Yeah. Ah, see, my wife does that so often. <laughs> She'll watch a TV show and go, that's my ending. And I'm like, but yep. there's another season. And she's like, that's my ending. I'm not watching yep. anymore. I'm um, good. 
But with this show, uh, I happened to be very lucky, and I recorded myself live as I was watching it. And here's what I said at the very end of the series when Dexter became a lumberjack. Hate. Let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are three, eight, seven point four, four million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nanoangstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant. For you, hate, hate. <laughs> I hope everyone's a fan of PC games from the 1990s. Uh, have no mouth, but I must scream references are always welcome on any podcast I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh... But yes, I have never hate watched a show ever since. And God willing, the creek don't rise. I never will. It's a complete waste of your time. Listeners, if you are hate watching anything, please take me as a cautionary tale. Stop. Just walk no away. no point. There's so much else out there mm-hmm. to revisit, so much out there. to, to like, discover. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and uh, is... I, didn't, I didn't see this because like, to me, like Dexter got real... like unexplainably bad uh, somewhere around season five and I heard a ton of people complaining about the ending it's an ending that's so bad it works in a screenshot that picture of him with his <laughs> fake beard <laughs> I'm like wow yeah that looks terrible that looks fucking terrible and this is pretty much the only TV show I ever have heard of whose ending was so bad that they had to make a continuation series as an apology. Yeah. They had to be like, we're <laughs> really sorry about that last episode. Here's an entire new season to help you out. Did, did you end up going yes. into that new blood? Nope. Wow. Yeah, nope. that's a, sorry. <laughs> I, I have washed in my head. The series now ends at the end of four. It does. I'm just like, that's it. That's the end of Dexter. I'm never going to continue with him. He's dead at the end of season four, emotionally, if not physically. Well, you're in luck because there's plenty of new TV shows to watch. But once again, I warn thee, uh, (laughs) we're not going to be experts in a lot of these. I, I am astounded, especially by how many of these are still on or, or lasted way longer than I thought. Uh, yep. Sitcoms. We got ABC debuting Trophy Wife alongside Back in the Game. Buh. So, Trophy Wife, I heard, was actually really good. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, uh, my wife and I the, watched about a season. The mm-hmm. title is not great. I, I understand. Like, yeah, the idea is that it's Malin Ackerman and she's the much younger wife of Bradley Whitford and she has to deal with uh, all his other exes. Mm. Cool. And it, it's supposed to be, yeah, pretty, pretty funny and pretty well done. It's kind of like uh, Cougar Town. Yeah, bad name, oh, good okay. series. <laughs> nice, okay. And back in the game was someone has to move in with their dad who was a coach. I've already oh. forgotten. And she has to become a, a manager, yeah. And And two shows that, I don't know, it led me to believe, like, is this the death of 80 stardom <laughs> that these shows didn't? pick up an audience, the crazy ones on CBS and the Michael J. Fox show on NBC. Well, how badly do you want me to bring us down? <sighs> bring us down, Diana. Do it. All right. So the crazy ones. 
I know. I... The, the crazy ones is, hey, another David E. Kelly show. So it's going to be like quirky people being quirky, either in a small town or in an office. And it is Robin Williams' return to television after more than 30 years mm -hmm. since Mark and Mindy with him and Sarah Michelle, Michelle Geller yep. as father and son or daughter. And they work in a family advertising agency and there's advertising stuff. Reviews were not great. It seems like the problem was largely on the writing. And people said, well, the performances are pretty good, but Robin Williams just sort of seems off. He seems tired. He seems not engaged. And because he was sick. Yeah. He he will die next year. And that's when we will find out that he was sick. I was looking at some of the reviews and they're like harsh, like, ah, and Williams is relying on his old shtick. And it's like, I would probably trade my dad to the devil to get Robin Williams old shtick back. Who else is doing Robin Williams shtick? God damn it. We've been almost a decade yeah. without it. Sucks. Yeah. Louis body dementia uh, fucking blows because it has 8 trillion weird symptoms and it's hard to nail down and it's really hard to treat. And you feel like you're losing everything because you are. And, uh, Speaking of. Even, even more uh, tragic, I tried to check that I could only experience it through whatever fan base clips YouTube videos because it yeah. is not available to stream anywhere. Yeah. And Ooh. then, yeah, speaking of someone who's dealt with a degenerative disease in a different way, Michael J. Fox show, the sitcom that, yeah, addresses like, yeah, I was a guy on TV and now I have Parkinson's and I've retired and this is my family. Yeah. Yeah. I've... I it just didn't, didn't engage with folks. I don't know if they just didn't want to think about or get humor from having Parkinson's or <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I feel I like because there's still that Jay Fox documentary. I haven't did I call him Jay Fox. Jesus. Um, he did. I haven't watched yet because I don't want to be depressed oh, by this man. I love being it's a great documentary. Yeah. I really, I really liked it. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I remember wanting to watch this show. The other two, the other two sitcoms, not so much. And they ended up with astounding longevity. <laughs> uh, First up, Mom debuts on CBS, wasting the wonderful Anna Faris. I don't know. I've never seen. I I have not seen a moving image of the show Moms, but it went for eight <laughs> seasons. Eight seasons. Eight seasons. There's there's uh, two and a half men's Chuck Lorre back. Man, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to structure a sitcom. Yeah, it turns out if you don't promise anybody anything from the premise, you can keep it going for like twelve years. <laughs> what? What do you yeah. mean? I what's this about? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but yeah, it, yeah it's, it's about a mom and daughter who are struggling with alcohol and addiction for eight yeah. seasons. Yeah, um, I mean. In it's kind of a yeah. lifelong struggle, Chris. I know. It just yeah. doesn't seem like CBS fair. Like, uh, it's supposed yeah, to. Which means, you know, you can make jokes about all the terrible things that you did in the past and how you're trying to, but not actually doing those things now. And it's Allison Janney. She's a queen. A queen, I tell you. And it, it, it's. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. And it's like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It just seems so bizarre to me, like, thinking back to. Uh, 80s Chris and like if something's on the air that long you will have an awareness of it it'll pop up in syndication or I'll eventually jump on board but like just having no knowledge of this eight season show and never <laughs> having heard any critic or person recommend it ever uh, the same cannot be said for the Goldbergs man I, I, would you have like plucked Adam Goldberg out of a 
the Days and Confused cast from like eight hours ago to say this guy's going to be a multimillionaire with a 10 season show on the air. Uh, holy shit, the Goldbergs. And that I, I, I would have said, oh, finally, first, first of all, it's a different Adam Goldberg. Oh, it is? Oh, my bad. <laughs> but it is an Adam Goldberg, but it is a different Adam Goldberg. But second of all, I would have said, oh, finally, they're adapting that radio show from the 30s. <laughs> what? No, it's, <laughs> it's a... literally one of the first big radio shows. The Goldbergs. It's a show called The Goldbergs, which ended up being one of the first early TV shows. That's about, yeah, a, a pushy Jewish mother. And she was like a beloved character. No, <laughs> it was so all weird. A, a family of wrestlers who speared people in 60 seconds. Uh, Ooh, now this is a cool. a show w- featuring a cast I quite love uh, and for Ted, but set in the eighties. And it the Goldbergs would do things that would gather my attention, like it's got the last Robert England as Freddie appearance in the show, <laughs> and it would hmm. it would bring all these eighties characters back as their characters for this eighties set show in ways I'm not sure. The show, the show had been on so long, I kind of only saw clips of its flaws and controversies. And by that, I mean the ghost of Jeff Garland when he mm-hmm. quit or got fired. But they, his character would just remain and say, non-sequitters from the corner. And it's clearly not a living human being actor. Uh, very, <laughs> very strange that last season of Goldbergs. Is it still on or has one more season? Or- yeah, I think it. It, the finale was last May. Okay. So no, 10 seasons. 10 seasons of the Goldbergs. 229 episodes. Wow. Damn. This is just the segment of huge, giant shows I've never watched. Yeah. Yeah. And and part of that is, like, I think it was, yeah, it, it was well over 15 years ago I abandoned, like, broadcast television. My habits have never gone back don't know how to watch things unless you pop it, like let me select it streaming and the, never found that with the Goldbergs. Uh, yeah. And I, it's my a kids, show yeah. My no, kids have say, grown up without, oh, sorry. You oh no, keep, keep talking. No, your kids have grown up. So my kids have grown up with only their iPads. So occasionally we'll go to a hotel or whatever and they'll turn on the television. They love commercials. It is like this <laughs> mystical, magical, wonderful thing that enraptures them. Oh my God! So there's all these, there's all these products you never told us about, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty true. Oh God! So it's it's like in the Barbie movie. We've got an entire generation that is like n- not inoculated to commercials, and once they discover them. We're all doomed. That's crazy. Gosh. Oh my there was God. all this you know, that's, Paw Patrol that's and good. only farmers. Give it to me. Give it all to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, the Goldbergs. The Goldbergs you know, are one of those shows I feel like I would have a soft spot for because it seemed to be pretty. Uh, it's a single camera sitcom with. It looks a little a little more cartoony than uh, the average yeah. show. Yeah, I know a lot of people that, that like it. Um, I for some reason I just never really got around to it, even though you know it's about a Jewish family in the northeast Philly suburbs. Mm. Right when I lived in the northeast Philly suburbs with my Jewish family, and I appreciate yeah something so Jewy on television, yay Jewiness. But I don't know something about like the the stunts of the eighties nostalgia that just sort of made me go Ugh. yeah they, I don't I don't need that I don't need stunt could, nostalgia I'm fine I could use it now. Um, and then we move on to the dramas. Whew, never heard of Lucky Seven, which debuts on ABC. 
Um, I didn't realize this is another adaptation of a British show that's really, really good called The Syndicate, which is about groups of people like in a workplace playing the lottery and then they win. And then what happens to everybody? Uh, Apparently Spielberg loved that show and wanted to bring it to America and it just came here and died. It seems like it should be a good concept, but I can't think of a single television show or movie about someone who won the lottery where it's, you know, my name is Earl. It could happen to you. Did he win the lottery? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Don't know. Don't know. And then the show, the show to clear up the cliffhanger from 14 hours ago, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we did, uh, uh, paid commentary for the first six episodes of agents of s h i e l d agents of shield the mcu comes to television until it was sort of retconned (laughs) and holy shit was that a fucking slog uh (laughs) i i feel like you're watching marvel kind of now talking about potentially weakening its brand by making episodic television you already found out with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I could not have been more into the MCU, Marvel Comics, Agent Coulson, and just making this... How can you make something that's more formulaic than comic books? <laughs> Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I remember at the time, they seemed to really be pitching this as, oh, this is going to be highly interconnected with the movies, and then that proved to not really be the case. And then they had a problem that literally no television show in all of TV history has ever had to face before. Yeah. It had to wait for the movies to introduce key concepts. The writers would be like, uh, oh yeah, we're going to introduce this. Uh, that got delayed. You're going to have to introduce that next season. Fuckity, 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 fuck. And, and I, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the big one. They're agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In Captain America Winter Soldier, seven episodes into this show, S.H.I.E.L.D. is disbanded. (laughs) (laughs) The organization, the headline of your show, no longer exists seven episodes in. You got Sam Jackson to come on your show and tell you about it, which he does. Just that didn't happen enough. Like, there there wasn't any much significant crossover with the characters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I could be wrong, but, like, I bailed after the first season. Holy shit. Well, they... kept name dropping it it would yeah. be like gosh we just missed thor he was right out there yeah. five minutes ago <laughs> yes yeah yeah do we have a clip of that we have a clip oh hell yeah thor's thor captain america captain america Bruce Banner. stark stark iron man barton romanoff 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 the avenger <laughs> and i think their their big get was like ghost rider eventually came on to the show so somehow ex- I, yeah. I I don't think it's been necessarily retconned but like Disney would politely ask you not to think about it uh. <laughs> yeah I, I just I had no interest in this it's like this seems like too much work if if the movies are going to be dependent on what's on the TV show that's too much work for me and if the TV show is going to be dependent on what's the movies I can just wait for the movies but then yeah I think when Winter Soldier came out I was like What's it going to do to that poor show? Like, does anyone remember they have a TV show going on right now about S.H.I.E.L.D. and you just turned, you just said, oh, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. was nothing but bad guys? Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I never did. But it went so long. It was seven seasons. Did it go seven? I thought it went five because it was always seven. on the verge of cancellation because it was expensive. Yeah. And- now, they're short seasons, but, you know, some of them, but no, uh, five, 
22 episode seasons and wow. two 13 episode seasons. Wow. Damn, that's a lot. All on Disney Plus, apparently. So, yay. Yeah. And then on to the show. That was a phenomenon I can't tell you anything about. The Blacklist. Yep. <laughs> the Blacklist. A- another one that just wrapped up. Yeah, Blacklist. It Another one. Yeah, it went 10 years. It just wrapped up. A criminal turns himself into the FBI and says, I have a secret list of criminals that only I can help you with. It's the Blacklist. The Blacklist. I made it. So it's, yes. Yep. Jeffrey Epstein going, breaking good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people freaking loved it. It was a mm-hmm. huge hit. James Spader is like a big-ass star, and it's got pretty deep bench of like hey it's that guy character actors that were on this too you know harry lennox i was like that guy yeah i mean i remember but, being uh, at, at comic cons yeah. with like i don't know what this is but it's got james it's, it's got james spader on a four-story banner so okay good on you i'm just happy who would have thought james spader at his age being like this huge again yeah um mm-hmm. yeah but the the blacklist ladies and gentlemen did any of us watch it no no no, nope. parents did. Yeah, um, parents did. Pretty and sure. uh, then let's get on to games as we round up our uh, 2013 segment, September 22nd to the 28th. Scribblenauts Unmasked, a DC Comics adventure for uh, Wii U, 3DS, and PC. Yeah, Scribblenauts. Just throw in the Scribblenauts brand onto an IP, and yeah, that's a solid idea. I'm surprised they didn't do it more often. I guess once you do Marvel or DC, there's really no brands that have enough content to fill the Scribblenaut niche. Yeah, yeah, I think that it, it by adding a license to this, Scribblenauts, if you don't know, was a game where you could type in a thing and 80% of the time, the game would make that appear. You sort of would make your own game, make your own puzzles, and adding a license sort of limits that, you know? Like, before, you could have a Spider-Man, but if you can't fuck around with that in a DC game, uh, and it's kind of the last of this uh, lovable little franchise. I never thought they were great games. I was just always astounded by how they worked and what people could create with them. I've never been that much create-your-own-shit kind of guy when it comes to games, uh, but there was a party game released a few years ago, but other than this, this is kind of the end of Scribblenauts because it never was like this despite being impressive and something you'd want to champion, it just didn't see that much success. I don't know any kids who loved it. Uh, we also have out this week, day one, Gary's incident for PC. <laughs> what the fuck is Gary's incident? So the interesting thing about this is these mad geniuses came up with a tactic that I've never heard before. And the backlash is why uh, you've never seen it since. So what they would do is people would post negative reviews to YouTube And then, only if the review was negative, they would file a copyright complaint. Because you don't own the video footage from your video games. That is still the legal property of the video game manufacturer. They just let it slide. But they decided, hey, if we just copyright claim all the negative reviews on YouTube, then we'll only have positive reviews. Oh. But you know what gamers really like to instigate? (laughs) (laughs) Any discussion of any video game company doing anything unethical, they have all the free time in the world to research that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, so good scandal. they got backlash, and then they stopped doing it. But fascinating tactic did not pull it off. Uh, and then we got Shadow Warrior a reboot. 
I guess. Yep, reboot yeah. of the 97 uh, shooter. You know, yeah. now with 75% less racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 90s. And, uh, oh, well, look at that. JR sneaking a book in. Uh, book trifecta, y'all. Yeah. Oh. Almost a Stephen King Coast to Coast champion. But uh, what do you think about this book? I love hearing discussions about this. Uh, so Dr. S- Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. And it's the only sequel novel King has ever done. And I freaking loved it. Uh, the Shining is an amazing exploration of addiction. And Dr. Sleep is an amazing exploration of how to overcome addiction. Jack Torrance, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, Mm -hmm. is a man who lost his battle with alcohol. And Stephen King had an idea one day, I wonder what would have happened to Jack if he had gone into AA. And that idea percolated in his brain for a couple of decades. And then once Jack's son was old enough, Danny Torrance became old enough, King was like, Sons often are alcoholics if their fathers are. Let's get him into AI and explore AA and explore that. And I thought he does it beautifully and wonderfully. And I think this is one of his better recent works. And I've heard no negativity about Dr. Sleep at all. Like my friend loves it so much. I've seen it twice, but it's always when he comes into town and we're a little drinky and I just kind of forget how it ends other than like, you know, the obvious stuff. Uh, oh. that you want to see in a shining sequel um yeah i i haven't read the book i've read the book the shining and i me too. never thought about maybe i should go back and read yeah 36 years later to to write a sequel that people like yeah. it's mm-hmm. kind of impressive and i actually really enjoyed the movie yeah and and yeah. I, I, how much in the book does king acknowledge those solidified details he didn't like about kubrick's version so this is a sequel to the book. Stephen mm-hmm. King is very clear. This is my book. It's not a sequel to the movie at all yeah. in the slightest. Anything that Kubrick put in is not in no this. No maze here, people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, the movie kind of plays around with that. The movie yeah. goes like, yeah. most of the people have not read the book. They've seen the movie. So we're kind of being a sequel to the movie. I thought the movie threaded that needle perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing but like I'm not I've never I love The Shining but not as much as like almost everyone in the world like I just (laughs) um, but uh, yeah like the uh, universal praise for the Doctor Sleep movie and hey it's spooky time I don't want you watching just Evil Dead and going to patreon.com slash laser time listening to our our new series but uh, yeah Uh, trying to find my doc is why I'm stalling there it is uh, <laughs> and that about wraps up the show. We're going to tell you who died uh, during this this time period of 302010 and a little quiz you can play along with about who lived or was born. Love the birthday quiz. I'm killing it, uh, even though Diana won last week. Uh, <laughs> but a little bit, yeah, that, I just plug patreon.com slash laser time over a hundred, hundreds of podcasts. Uh, you help support the show, which does need your support. I'm getting uh, some communique about my a technical problem from video game apocalypse this week, which is super fun. And we're talking about, uh, mortal Kombat one and how much Michael loves it. And that made him think of like, what are the mortal Kombat ripoffs that did not fare as well as this 30 year fighting game franchise. It's always fun to talk about mortal Kombat ripoffs, cynical, <laughs> needlessly violent. Oh, horrible to look upon. Awesome. Um, yes. And, uh, die, where can folks find you at? 
They can find me on, what's it called? Threads and Blue Sky at Listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. And coming up next week, oh, it's a good one. Next week is a really good one, y'all. We have, speaking of, we've had a couple uh, actors do directorial debuts here. We have another one next week. Robert De Niro is going to direct a movie, which honestly might be the best double feature pairing with Goodfellas. It's, I don't know why you said that. I bought them in a collection. So they all, they like literally stood mm. next to together in Warner Brothers Snapcase, and I would double feature them. That they're a good double feature. But if that's too high for Luton for you, did you know that Jamaica had a bobsled team? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And we talked Richard Linkletter this week. We get to talk about him next week Yay. and more of his love of rock music this time with the kids he's gonna teach the kids to fucking rock and roll awesome and sandra freaking bullock is going to space oh sh that's 10 years god damn i'm old oh space. that feels like a new movie to me still jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ and if that wasn't enough we are also going to have homer Flashing back to his days in a quartet. <laughs> what? It's been done. <laughs> and Walter White is going to come to an end. Mm. Mm. Oh. And my favorite one-shot characters, Zeke and Julia, are going around the neighborhood with squirt guns full of holy water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, die. Who died during this period of thirty twenty ten? Oh man, it's 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 a disaster scene out here this week. We lost a whole many cool, interesting people. In nineteen ninety three, it was lost when we lost General Jimmy Doolittle, who was ninety six. That was the longest serving World War II general in the U.S. Army. He's the guy behind the Doolittle raids in what four months after Pearl Harbor, where we sent a bunch of modified bombers to hit Tokyo. Didn't do a lot of damage except for psychologically. It freaked him out real good, realizing, oh mm -hmm. shit, we are not invulnerable over here. They can get us. Yeah. And he was a young general at the time, yeah. you know, and this is 50 years later. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, last surviving U.S. general of World War II. Wow. Yeah. And in 2003, goddamn, first we lost Robert Palmer, who was only 54. Fuck you, heart attacks. Mm. He died from a bad case of loving you, I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. No, I actually really like Robert Palmer. <laughs> I I like I'm a blue-eyed soul person. I, I enjoy that. But a real fucking legend we lost is Althea Gibson, who is 76. She is the first black person to compete in a Grand Slam tennis tournament. She's the first black person to win a Grand Slam tournament. And then she went on and became the first black person to play uh LGPGA professional golf. Wow. She took the lightest wow. sports out there. And she was so good, she broke the color line. We're talking in the 50s, when yeah. things were kind of touchy when it came to black people in our country club. Yeah. Althea Gibson, look her up. She's she fucking like practice. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It was so hard to get into to play like the U.S. Open or Wimbledon because you need to have played on this circuit for so long, and they wouldn't let her in because uh. they're racist. <sighs> but she was just that good then. George Blimpton, we also lost, he was also 76. He, he probably wrote about Althea Gibson, actually, because he's, he's a very fancy sort of guy who sort of talks like this, but also yes. writes about sports a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's, in his, like, 
he was like a super waspy guy who also wrote like gonzo journalism of just here's the experience of going to do this fancy thing then uh, we're notable, not done. notable host of uh disney channel's mousterpiece theater where he would introduce <laughs> classic disney cartoons Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not done damn it we got more legends uh also in 2003 we lost donald o'connor who was 78 best known for the make him laugh number from dan er, uh, singing in the rain and also he was in the francis the talking mule movies <laughs> He is amazing. And he had a really good guest spot on Frasier. We talked about Frasier the other week. That's that's a really good episode, too. Mm. And we lost Ilya Kazan, who was 94. Um, one of the great film and stage directors of all time. And also he named names to Huac, so people are kind of pissed at him. But, I mean, Streetcar Named Desire, uh, um, on, the waterfront, on the Waterfront, East of Eden. Great. I mean... An incredible body of work, but mm-hmm. you know, personal, it was a tough time. People made calls and some people don't agree with those calls. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's it. Okay. That's a lot of people. I'm sorry. And with uh, all, cool. all those dead people out of the way, what do we got, JR? We have the birthday quiz. So, this individual is turning 40. 40. Oh. 40. A young lady. Yep. Hmm. Born September 25th, 1983 at Edwards Air Air Force Base in Edwards, California. He was raised a Jehovah's Witness, but is no longer religious. I got it, I think. You Uh, may. uh, uh, Was this person in a Star Wars movie? Yes. Okay, I think I got it. I think you got it too. Uh, I, have so a, you, I have a guess on top of that, but okay. Let's, okay, do you I want everyone to play. At, let no, everyone I, play, but hint at your I guess. I want to let everyone play. All right. So uh, he sent writing samples, uh, and including a spec script, to The Simpsons. And Tina Fey was so impressed by his work that he, she, he, she hired him <laughs> to be a writer for Thirty Rock, and he wrote on that from 2006 to 2009. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm got feeling it. Good. I think you both All got right. it. Uh, yep. His he was name in a... is not the star of Bofa. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a feature length movie called Mystery Team about yes. amateur teenage detectives. From Derek Comedy. He appeared in a television show that if I give it away, everyone will get it instantly. <laughs> Movies of his include The Lazarus Effect, Magic Mike. XXL, The Martian, and he played Aaron Davis, the Prowler, in Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Great. He also played Lando Calrissian in the space western solo A Star Wars Story. It is Donald Glover. It's Donald Glover. It is. Childish That is not Danny Glover. They are not related. (laughs) Donald Glover. (laughs) Also, I just learned this. He played the voice of Simba in the yeah. 2019 Lion King. And made right. one of the greatest shows of all time, Atlanta. Atlanta is amazing. Everyone should watch Atlanta. It is one of the coolest things I, ever put on television. I still have failed to. Like I say, did you like the episode Pine Barrens in Sopranos? Yes. What if much. three quarters of the show were Pine Barrens? Just the weirdest shit ever happening (laughs) to a single character or just being maybe 
this episode is just a fake documentary about the blackest Disney movie ever made, a Goofy movie. And none of the cast appears. Like, Atlanta is wonderful uh, from beginning to end. Okay. Cool. Now, I was going to say we'd go out with Robert Palmer because Simply Irresistible is one of the most iconic videos ever made. But does anyone have a Childish Gambino song that they would prefer? Um, What's that I mean, the video for This Is America is an absolute fucking masterpiece. Um, But I don't know how I feel about the song. (laughs) Let's do Robert Palmer. All right. That's true. We're going to have a lot more chances to talk about Childish Gambino, and uh, we're out of chances to talk about Robert Palmer. Yeah, I think, uh, man, never mind. No need to elongate the show. Love Donald Glover. Community is amazing. I can't wait for it to come back. I just, I don't remember Donald Glover and Danny Pudi doing a series of Far Cry 4 commercials, but I saw it the other day, and it felt like new community to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that That movie seems doomed. God damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's thank you so much for listening to the show. Patreon.com slash Laser Time is how you can support us, hopefully at $5 or more. Take us out, Robert Homer. See you next week. Simply here.